Hello and welcome to episode 307 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. Plenty to get into this week. Arsenal drew a game for the first time in 27 league fixtures. The most boring matchup in football lived up to its name again. Liverpool turned a corner last week, only to plough into a brick wall on the other side. And born winner Antonio Conte failed to win again. On top of that, we've got UFC 280 to get into. Some of our predictions age well, some of them not so well, but we'll get into all of that. I was going to make some kind of joke about AJ's absence, comparing him to Ronaldo and perhaps make light of him storming down the tunnel, but Alex is actually in America as it stands, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, well, how are we doing today? (laughs) (laughs) Very well, very well. Good to be back. Yep, in-person pod today. Hopefully no technical issues. Hopefully we're past those, but you never do know. Every day's a school day. Some news of the week to get fireworks (laughs) already. 24th of October, so there you go. I forgot how much you hate fireworks. Burn's face has just turned. Just as you've heard the first one, just as we started. It's like he's a border collie or something. She's like, no, no, not fireworks. He's shaking the corner. If they were one day a year, sound. If they were New Year... And firework night, fair enough. When it's like February to December, with people just have, don't have the cash in January, maybe that's when it gets to me. But plenty of news of the week this week before we get into everything else. So, Florida middle school students stole 10k from grandparents and passed it out to kids. The school say that's like Robin Hood. Mm. Do you think you'd respect anyone anymore if they came into school and gave you a portion of 10 grand? I feel I'd actually. Not dislike you more, but I'd probably think worse of you. I, I feel like your cachet doesn't improve. If really. I found out you'd robbed it from your grandparents, like, oh, cheers for the yeah. tenor or whatever it <laughs> yeah. was, but you are a piece I'm, of shit. <laughs> yeah, how far is it stretching as well? I, I still think at school, you, you're not caring. At that age, you're seeing them, you're seeing the dollar signs quite literally. Well, it depends if I liked you already. I, I mean, it's one of those, I think it'd be one of those where it's an arm around the shoulder for the nerdy kids that wasn't really centre of attention. You take the money and then you're never friends like, again. If I'm on like a level peg in me, you're just like, don't you try and buy more favour and move above me. And Now we're yeah. seeing what your beef yeah. is. I think mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. If they're going to use that money to buy fireworks, <laughs> God, I wouldn't want to see your face. Hey, look, I saw um, Andrew Tate, uh, TikTok of him. He seems to be back everywhere again. Yeah, he is. Him saying, you know what people around the world don't appreciate enough? Peep show. And I thought, hmm. Delight me. I didn't expect that. Maybe I do hate women. (laughs) (laughs) You've charmed me. (laughs) Woman unleashes swarm of bees on deputies trying to serve eviction notice. I mean, that's a new one. There's actually in the new Saints Row game, there's a bee cannon. Um, believe it or not and you've got to fire it I was people. looking at that whether to get that or not it's an interesting game well, I bought whatever maybe it was like the third one remastered and I'd, I'd played the first one just you spent hours just kicking the shit out of the bloke in a hot dog suit because he wouldn't <laughs> yeah. die nice and then the remastered one was kind of somewhere between what I wanted and somewhere like hmm. Saints Saints Row 2 is probably like the closest GTA and then they just get weirder and weirder and then then Saints Row the 4th you're now president and you have to fight off an alien invasion. But in GTA... What? Style, yeah, because I played Saints Row 2. Yeah. And it, that was, yeah, just GTA normal, basically, yeah. wasn't it? But, but a few weird sort of quirks thrown yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, But then it gets progressively weirder. What the hell? Until you're the president. This, on the Saints Row that I bought, every character you see is like, um, 
someone, a 13-year-old, were making pro clubs. <laughs> oh, wow. With, like, a pink afro, and if you could add sunglasses, I'm sure they would, but those kind of people are just running rampant. This woman Incredibly was, quick and strong. Yeah. Great finishing. This woman was arrested an hour later, by the way, so not only did she not have a house, but... Well, maybe she wanted to go into prison in between, but... Criminal, she needed somewhere work. to stay for a bit. Yeah, Criminal mastermind, the camera pans out, and she's just sat in the cell, <laughs> smiling. <laughs> Uh, daycare workers who used horror masks to scare children are charged with felony child abuse. Wow. I mean, I would have to ask which masks. To, they were to... scream masks, I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's oh, not no, it does always seem strange Snowflakes. to me that people upload each year Woke. and it's them scaring like a two-year-old kid and it's like, are the retweets worth it? Yeah. But then it's some of the things I've, yeah. I've tweeted to get... Uh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I can see yeah. Okay. There's a strong chance that kid will grow up to be a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> so you just got it in early. Um, servers dressed as Power Rangers at Oakland restaurants save woman being attacked. Imagine you being attacked, you look up and the Power Rangers are saving you. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> it's like, how hard have I been kicked in the head here? <laughs> It will just morph into one afterwards. What did they look like? One was red. (laughs) Yeah, come off it. Come on. (laughs) Maybe the most news of the week headline ever. Naked man wearing a cowboy hat attacks woman with a machete because she didn't have a crack pipe. (laughs) Don't know that it was in Florida, but I'll take a good guess. It's a bit Moorish, that crack, isn't it? (laughs) Crowded Maryland restaurant stays open after customer dies in the restroom. The Elvis tribute. Well, listen, like, don't even close for the afternoon. No. That's, hey, look, show goes on. Just leave him in there. This is the big out of order sign across the cubicle. We've seen worse things in there. Don't you worry about that. If I've like, not had a McDonald's for a while, which I haven't, and I get there, and I hear that someone's died in there like an hour before. Oh, you of all the days. Yeah. <laughs> Ruining my burger. Well, I've said before, the reaction when I was on a train that someone had jumped in front of the one before, and people's reactions then, kind of selfish. selfish. <laughs> it is selfish. It is. Bossman, just put me on the fillet of fish. Don't worry about, the, don't worry about her. Just finish that off for me. Three arrested for stealing 1,700 pounds of garlic in Sri Lanka. I've got serious vampire problems. How the hell do you make it out of there without being seen or worse, smelled? <laughs> That's so much. <laughs> so much garlic. Woman scammed by a Russian astronaut who claimed to need money to return to Earth. <laughs> oh, nice. She got what she deserves. That's the graduation from the University of Nigerian Uncles. <laughs> nice headline of the week. Um, Piglet in Germany makes friends with cows after it was abandoned by its own herd. That's the kind of TikTok content that I'm here for, you know? A bit I, of feel good factor. And I realise how this could be clipped. I love pigs after the, the headlines we get on this podcast. I just want to pet like a, a clean pig. Clean pig. That's just one of the tricky. little one of the little fluffy ones. When you say love on a scale of babe to David Cameron. Like, <laughs> well, we won't go that far. Well, 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 Straight down the middle. I think I've looked at a pig. It's been, oh, I really wanted to like, stroke one of them before. And then since seeing the pig with the Doritos, that was what won me over. Um... And finally, caregiver caught sucking on the toes of elderly men in a nursing home in hopes of being named in their wills. A for effort. Who's going to say it? Paul Skull? No, if you want to be in my will. Are you you suggesting that we should suck your toes? You couldn't have enough money. No, 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 I'm, I'm saying... 
if I'm one of those blokes, I'm you're going I'm upstairs. You're not. You're not. She's I'm not staying down there. <laughs> you said it. You said it. Um, um, I mean, to be honest, when you, you started, quite literally saying, did say it. Caregiver. <laughs> Caregiver sucks. <laughs> I think we all assumed yeah. you were going somewhere. I think maybe they've basically probably done both. But toes is what they can write in a newspaper. Well, the only thing she is guilty of is taking advantage of these men and selling them. Trust me, I'll give you something if you get me in the will. Yeah. This wasn't what they were expecting. The no, they were expecting toes. One of these <laughs> blokes is seeing another one of their toes being sucked, and he's gone. Let me get a piece of that action. <laughs> How much? Two hundred. I've got stacks. He looks himself in the mirror and gone. Well, I'm better than him, so if he's getting toes, what am I going to get? Yeah, she wipes my three times a day anyway, so what's this? <laughs> I'm only 78, he's 82. <laughs> She's going to love me. Cashback. <laughs> this feels a uh, fair transition to move on to Liverpool's result this weekend. To last a natural <laughs> yeah. conclusion. 1-0 to Nottingham Forest at the City Ground. Klopp said, I've never seen a game where one team has four or five no-brainers from set pieces where you have to finish it off. How we can't score from a set piece, I have no idea. Who can we blame for not finishing the situations off? It's just us. In normal circumstances, we should have won this game. Now, guess what we'll be working on in training this week, boys? This, there was a lot more wrong with Liverpool's mm, performance than yeah. just missing set pieces and a few free headers. It was lethargic, errors across the park. And I saw it referred to in a different group chat as smash and grab. It didn't feel like smash and grab to me. It, it felt like, at halftime, if Liverpool had been in the lead, we'd have said, you know, they've got away with one here. And even at the end of the game, maybe it's because of how the first half was. I don't think by the end of the game, if Liverpool had won, we'd have been saying deserved win more. Probably the class shone through in the end because Forrest missed tons of chances. Um, talk of turning the corner has very quickly been silenced. You have the high of beating the champions, then they dug deep to overcome West Ham. And it just feels like Liverpool are now back to square one. The fact that they were so reliant on set pieces against a team as bad as Forest, and I say that as we're playing them this weekend, oh, um, is, was quite alarming. But Forest did cause plenty of problems. We were looking for something from Steve Cooper's side. A couple of draws I think they'd had in the last couple of weeks. And I don't know if this will shock you to hear this, TK. Oh, no. Liverpool have the highest XG per shot conceded in the league. You're not conceding loads and loads of chances, but the ones you do concede are just you're being cut open so easily. And I saw someone explaining these stats and they say, if you saw that stat in isolation, it essentially points to a, a pressing team that's pressing badly. Hmm. And... This is what you've got. Liverpool won possession in the final third on only one more occasion than Forest, And the stats across the park were worryingly even. If the names of the sides were reversed, that's a weird thing. Alisson probably would have been man of the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's worrying for Liverpool against Nottingham Forest. What were you expecting pre-game? Because I think I spoke to you maybe two seasons ago. And I said, as a Liverpool fan, do you ever even go into a game even like... Oh, we might lose this weekend. Do you even comprehend that? And now I don't know if you're in that stage where it's like, are we are we going to do anything this weekend? Yeah, I didn't have a don't have a clue what's going to happen now. To be honest, it's the I think I said on last week's pod that I don't necessarily think we'll replicate the city performance because it felt like one they got themselves up for. But how many times can you do that? 
probably not too many. Um, so performance-wise, I probably did think something like this, particularly when I saw the team, uh, the team sheet beforehand, midfield, a little bit lightweight in there, um, and not that much attacking options. Although Salah like it improved, and Firmino was obviously in good form, so you thought yeah. they might be able to to carry us. Um, but kind of once you establish that Forest are very much in this game and competitive and aren't just going to either lie down for us or be particularly open. You thought this is going to be a slog. And you're right to say that they created, from open play, probably better chances than we did. And the clock can say about the missed chances, and he's right, because there are guilt-edged chances from set pieces. But outside of that, I don't think we created pretty much anything. Uh, and it didn't look like it. It was, a, it was a bit of a dead game, really. You know, if they don't get the goal, which somewhat fortuitous because of how it went it would have been nil-nil all the way because I think we'd have kept them out but we weren't creating fuck all well we've all had it before where we've seen our teams and we've we've played a team at that end of the table and you've looked at it and gone every single player is playing out of their skin this is their cup final they're playing against us and particularly seen it with us over the years you now people will think they smell blood Chelsea at the moment the way as soon as you stop burying teams and yeah, you let yeah. them get, feel they've got something in the game, they can really grow into it. But about 40 minutes into the game, Jermaine Genus, who on commentary was <laughs> the less said about him, the better, to be fair. But he was pointing out that their two main creative players in Lingard and Morgan Gibbs White were probably the two worst players on the Forest side. He could not have sounded more frustrated about that. He was going <laughs> spare. And it's like, has got so much more quality than that. What's he doing? He's like, all right, Jermaine. <laughs> and, and yet they were still creating chance after hmm. chance after chance. They didn't feel like they were rock bottom of the table and they feared it. But Steve Cooper, I think one of the, whichever player spoke to the press after said, he told us right from the start, we need to just make sure the fans are behind us. And you spoke about it with Arsenal Palace and compared to Arsenal Brentford. And you said so much comes down to the time you play these teams. Mm. It's so much different playing Palace under the lights than it is at three o'clock on a Saturday. And Forest, it was like it was was their Brentford Arsenal. It was like first game of the season and they were just on it from the jump. Yeah, uh, the other thing it did explain, um, and maybe I would say this because we've just lost them, but... uh, I did think it exposed if they're the worst team in the league there aren't any really weak teams in the league this yeah. year and as you see with the sort of relegation picture there's going to be some decent sized clubs worried about this year because you know someone like Wolves or Villa they weren't legislating for going down yeah. they're not relegated to be no. a championship club just, and one of these is going to be in danger probably 100% it just seems that Fulham aren't Fulhaming yeah, like, yeah. Just and not... Marco Silva is a Marco Silva yeah, yeah. that was a, a combo that was destined yeah. for relegation, and they've turned up and Bournemouth and Gary O'Neill have turned around you're like well, who's yeah, going to be yeah. the whipping boys we need somebody but that's the thing is there's, there's no like... Southampton <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no Norwich where you just know that they're going to turn up, try and play up for the back and get beat 4-0 every week. Well, if, if on the FPL you do like the coward's move of, well, who's that team playing this week? Yeah. I'll just put whoever the top scorer is for that team that's playing them. And now you don't have that now. Mm. So you what, it, nothing will top um, playing Derby in that season where you were looking forward to it, but also was like, don't let us be the one to lose <laughs> yeah, to them. Yeah. <laughs> so... Before and after the goal, you did have the bulk of possession. Um, 75% of it 
in fact, wow. and you completed 681 passes to Forrest 224. But you did nothing with it. No, no, if you told me Conte was in charge on Saturday, I would have believed it. It was just so slow, so predictable. Yeah, but I don't think we were aiming to, were we? I think it was quite no. clear we weren't aiming <laughs> yeah, to sit yeah. in. It was, uh, we were trying to, we just didn't have a clue. Selection-wise, Darwin Nunes is ruled out with a tight hamstring before. Thiago's out with an ear infection, which feels like the most Thiago thing <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> Um, although ear infections are no joke so the fact he's been hospitalised with an ear infection is maybe as Thiago as it gets yeah yeah absolutely Um, so you then have a combination of Fabinho and Curtis Jones in the middle of the park Fabinho this is as difficult as he's found life at Liverpool he's horrible at the minute Curtis Jones I don't think he's expecting to play as part of a two man midfield in there hmm it wasn't always a two is the thing but he was having to do more Klopp's had asked was he thought he had a good game yeah I disagree <laughs> um, but he, he he wasn't able to really stamp any of his energy on the game at all Fabinho of course I think we were speaking on here about him being the best in the league and that it was him or Rodri basically and yeah that, that's basically been put to time. bed for now isn't yeah. it Jesus um and this was Curtis Jones' first start since May, so... Yeah, and he's got his own fitness issues. Yeah, when... Because he's another one. When I saw he had an eye injury from a cone in training or something like that. Yeah, you're not right. This is not meant to be. <laughs> That's such a... I forgot my PE kit. I need to think of something. <laughs> yeah. Excuse. Something that maybe does show uh, a longer-term issue at Liverpool. With Jones, Elliot and Carvalho starting, it was the first time Liverpool have named three players aged 21 or under in the lineup for a top flight fixture since 2018. Henderson, did Henderson over Curtis Jones in that position not make more sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether he thought we can get away with this against Forest, and you've got a Champions League game in the week that you might want to start Henderson Thiago if Thiago's back, potentially, you think probably get that Champions League win and then you'll are we basically through that? I think we're through it if we win that, don't we? So, yeah, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, yeah, so we'd be sound. It looked like that a little bit pre-game, but then I would have thought away at Forest, you probably got to know it's not going to be an easy game, even if we're playing well. They'll tr- at least make it a little bit difficult for us. Even if you were in good form, you'd probably say the first hour is going to be a slog. But, uh, people like Jones, Elliot, Carvalho are clearly good young players, but you can't really be relying on them. And I think we're basically finding that out is two or three years down the line, they might be fit for this role. But at the minute, they should be here and there, maybe appearance here and there, minutes, 20 minutes here, maybe a start, but coming off early. Now we're sort of like, right, we're going to need you to go ahead and you create and be responsible and they kind of show they're not really ready for it, I think. Th- those are players that you want to bring on when you're tonking a team 3-0 at Anfield. Exactly. exactly. They can just come on and show their brilliance when the other team's given up and gives them confidence. Mm. They're not used to playing in a team, well, in a Liverpool team, against someone who's got the tails up against you. Because yeah. in so many years previous, you haven't even given the opportunity to do that. This was last season or whatever. You're probably 3-0 up before half-time. Mm. Um that's just the way it goes, I guess. It does show again that everyone's development isn't linear as well because Curtis Jones probably was more favoured. If you look at the players his age, you've got Saka and Smith Rowe at Arsenal. 
But then you look at, say, Hudson Adoy, and so many of these players, you just they just need the game time. And Curtis Jones has been so infrequent because of his own injuries yeah. that after he got that goal against Everton in the Cup, we all kind of thought, you got a player here. And we were looking at Liverpool's academy and the players coming through in the same way that Hale End gets spoken about a lot now. I mean, Chelsea's get spoken about so much, but we don't see them enough. But then yeah. you do still, you can still point to Reese James and Chalabar and Loftus Cheek and, and so on. But ideally, you don't want to be giving these guys the experience when you are struggling because then it really is make or break time. And mm. you're in a weird position where these players playing, they are still under pressure. I think what benefited us is when Smith Rowe and Saka came in, it was very much a things can't get much yeah. worse than yeah. they are now. Yeah. And so anything anything they do. Those guys were immune from criticism. Yeah, yeah Saka yeah. was playing, as far as we knew, out of position at left back. Smith Rowe was coming in against Chelsea. It was like, what are we going to do to slag you off here? And it also helped that we had Willian and David Luiz and Cedric. Yeah. And it's so easy to go, well, I'm going to blame all of this on you, you and you. <laughs> You've had this incredible however many years with these players that they're almost the outsiders when they come in. And some of the flack I saw young players getting from your team was strange compared to what I see from almost any other team in the league. From the jump, Curtis Jones had this weird corner of Twitter that doesn't like him, just hates him. (laughs) Actually, like Liverpool fans, you're like, what what the hell? This guy's like a local lad who looks like he's got some talent. Now, who knows what he'll be, but he looks a decent young player. Um, So how do we don't really know what he is yet? Well, I think that's going to be a big problem for him moving forward. He's probably got to define what he is, only in the... Is he going to play in one of those front three positions for us? Probably not. And in which case, he'll have to become probably a more, I'll say boring midfielder, but a more responsible midfielder mm-hmm. if he's going to play in that three for us. Because you know, and it's probably similar with Elliot in a way. that They're kind of, want. if you look at the type of players they are, they want a free role. They're quick enough to sort of get past man, but not lightning quick that they're going to play in those front roles. So they're probably going to have to settle for a more midfield position where they can get on the ball a little bit more. But in that case, you're going to have to learn the other side of the game. And there's that one clip of Curtis Jones basically just letting a runner run off him. And it's going viral. And I saw people saying, this corner of yeah. criticising him. Imagine if this was Fab or Henderson, yeah. they'll be getting loads of flack. Like, well, they've been getting flat deservedly. <laughs> and he probably should for this. But With Harvey Elliott at, at the Emirates, watching him more closely, it's weird with him because... You look at him and it's like, you're obviously a talented player. But it's also, I wasn't looking at him like, I don't want you in this pocket of space on the left. I don't not want you on the ball in the round. It was like, I can see you're good, but I also don't see in isolation that you're going to be a huge threat for me. And you you can look at sorry, Curtis Jones, that England under-21s team, so when they're playing someone like Kosovo, like the most fun team in the world to watch, you've got him, Smith Rowe, and you've got mm. all these other young guys to watch, but you don't really play like that yours is you do the hard graph first and then you show your quality yeah yeah exactly they that's exactly it with Elliot is that he shows you flashes but it's it's like I was saying about before he got really bad like Deli Ali where people will highlight like oh look at that flick he did whatever it's like yeah it's great but what did he really do to impact this yeah. game and Elliot's got that in him now he's obviously he's what 20 so I kind of feel like I'm a bit harsh in saying it about him but we could be having the same conversation two or three years down the line where it's, mm. like I said, if you'd never watched football in your life, you go, this guy's got something. 
but it's how often is this going to be impacting the game in terms of goals and assists? You kind of watch and think, I'm not entirely sure you're going to be able to at this point. Curtis Jones has that thing. Um, not if you go all like Mike Skinner, like the the fit, but you know it. Where he obviously is a good player, and he obviously knows. I think he's that's a potentially good why this corner to it doesn't like him. He seems a bit arrogant, like which I don't know yeah. if it's arrogant. It's he, just well, a lot of it is that he scouts to be. To be fair, and so there are a portion of people that, mm. and Harvey Elliott is the same. Harvey Elliott could be the most humble bloke in the world. He does not look like he is, and so <laughs> we're going to assume that you yeah. are a certain way. And he did mug Harry Kane once, and people seem to be leaping to the on- <laughs> defend the honour of Harry Kane. Probably the same people yeah. who say how he talks. Uh, so I'm not really sure if that. Yeah, but that was the the curious thing about Curtis Jones is normally if you, it's conspicuous that people are going in on you because you're scouts. The fan base will double down on protecting you, no matter what you do, really, even if you're garbage. Yeah. Whereas he obviously has a bit of silent, but yeah, it doesn't. I don't know. It's it really seem like he's got the defence. Searching Deli Ali on Twitter and just the little pause where you hit translate tweet on one of these Turkish tweets, they hate him. <laughs> <laughs> they don't hold back either. No, they don't. It's it's never like I don't want you playing for this team. It's like I want you banished. <laughs> <laughs> and. As if there wasn't enough players to get some stick, um, Oxlade-Chamberlain comes back from a long-term injury and performs and looks about as rusty as you probably would look after three months out. His issue is he does draw attention to it when he decides to shoot from about 35 yards out yeah. almost every single time I see him play. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you were ask, if you were going somewhere, Rocks, about, right, we've got to keep a low profile tonight and it turned out wearing like bright pink or something. So <laughs> yeah. We can keep your head down. And then for all the complaints about your ownership from your own fans and United fans won't, will be quiz. Hey, they're criticizing their owners as well. The signing of Arthur Mello on loan from Juve when he wasn't fit to start with and then expecting him to jump straight into the way you train was never going to be a good look. And instead now you're paying an extra like 200 grand a week for a guy He's probably never going to kick a ball for you at this yeah, stage. Yeah, probably isn't. It's a very Saul style transfer, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God, hurt. You've been, you've been Saul. He, he got on the yeah. pitch. The yeah. issue was that when he got on the pitch, it was like, this is not the same guy. And enough of us didn't watch La Liga where it was like, it could genuinely be a different guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe he does have a brother. He bought the wrong one. How many Arthurs are there in, in Italy? <laughs> um, Liverpool have now taken two points out of a possible 15 in away games this season and they haven't led for a single minute in an away game. Is, I've not had a quick look at your fixtures. Is there an easy run that you can look at and go, this is where we turn it around? Or no. is it, are you looking at the run in the table like, this could get, this is looking spooky? No, and because the nature of our performances is that I wasn't expecting us to lose to Forest, but I wasn't as shocked by it as other people were because like if you watch this team it's not we limped over the line against West Ham obviously they miss a penalty in there as well so they could easily have, have uh, either drawn or beaten us in the week and so because you don't know what you're going to get from this team you can't go thinking it's going to go on a run and this is the thing with people assuming Liverpool will turn it around or get top four or whatever is it will be well we've seen the goal runs before so this team isn't going to go on that run it's going to pick up some wins, but it's going to be a hard slog. 
And it's look, it's not that different from the behind closed door season in terms of say, how it looks. Yeah. And how we eventually picked up and we ended up finishing third, didn't we? But that was Chelsea obviously yeah, fucking about. And but, he, well. but then, you know, if Allison doesn't score against West Brom, yeah. we can't even come fourth. Yeah. So always it was the goalkeeper scoring a goal <laughs> yeah. for us to get in the Champions League. And it could be that sort of that was seen as quote unquote turning it around. Mm. And that was going down to the wire. So this season, if you're gonna turn it around Probably got to do it pretty sharpish. I mean, Al- Alison won the Edison debate at least. Well, that's one to put in the uh, in the cabinet. <laughs> I think looking at this one, I think this season's going to be so defined by this World Cup. Just mm. the break it's going to give give players. I think. I mean, Salah's not in the World Cup, isn't he? No. Well, Salah's not staying with Liverpool. He's going over to Qatar to yeah. work on their TV. To be in sport. Yeah. That's all right. You know, as long as he's not running around in the yeah. No, no. But I mean, <laughs> City have got Haaland. He's going to be like oiling his joints. Put it back in his uh, chamber or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. He's, so yeah. it's a bit different. He's but. literally going to be outside with the biggest bag of balls you've ever seen. Just bashing them. Just smash them straight <laughs> in the neck. Salah and Mares are both going over there to yeah. do it. I think okay. it all hinges on how teams come back, who comes back, how injured they are. If... What form are they in? How distraught are they? If you listen to yeah. Gary Neville, it's only affecting Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. They're the only team <laughs> yeah. after this World Cup. They're dropping yeah. off. Well, I think injuries are one where that's going to happen to everyone. Like Liverpool have injuries, but Spurs will tell you they're the only team that have injuries at the moment. I mean, we're, we're, we've got Smith Rowe injured, but I don't really want to go much further than that. Chelsea will point to they've got Reese James injured and, and so on. So everyone's going to have to deal with it throughout the season. Yeah. Just we are all, myself included, going to feel like the only team that has injuries when it does come around to being us. Yeah. City, the only team that have a squad deep enough that they can have three of their back four, a midfielder and one of their attackers out and then put six past United. Yeah. No one else can do that. No. Um, well, you best go careful saying that because that, <laughs> yeah. that might be xenophobic what you've just said. You can't rule that out. <laughs> If we move on to United, it's been less than 14 months since Ronaldo returned to Old Trafford in a blaze of glory. He scored two goals against Newcastle in his first game back. The feel-good factor was there. Ollie was at the wheel and everything was looking <laughs> rosy. Barely a year on, Ronaldo has been banished from United's first-team squad following another show of dissent. And one of the most alarming things for him is as he was trudging down the touchline on Wednesday, Old Trafford didn't really care. Other than a couple of young lads putting their hand out for a high five, cowards, everyone just <laughs> got on with the game and they were happy with what they were seeing. 73,677 was the official attendance. And I would be shocked if 10,000 of them wanted to see Ronaldo in that starting lineup pre-game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. He looked about as straight-faced as he could look as he trudged down the tunnel. And he, much like a lot of other United fans, I think, couldn't bear another second watching Rashford up front <laughs> or Elanga coming on before him. But the the sympathy of his fan club is always going to be there. I'm going to get into the way the pundits are talking about him um, a bit later on. But there was very little sympathy from almost anyone else. And that was even before it came out that he'd refused to come on as a substitute in the mm. game. Like the story for everyone but United fans just got better and better and better. <laughs> and 
all it did was overshadow their victory and showed just how big of an issue he is at the club. Um, they're starting to look like an actual football team without him that knows where they're going. And if it was by him an attempt to try and undermine Ten Hag, it hasn't worked. It's actually made his position stronger than we've ever seen it. And I thought, if we look back, and basically we can see where it all went wrong. If we go back to our deadline day podcast, our pre-season predictions, United fans were smug. They'd signed Varane from Real Madrid, Sancho from Dortmund. Internally, they were claiming it was their best summer of business since 2007, where they signed Tevez, Hargreaves, Anderson and Nani, and then went on to lift the Champions League. Sorry, Jack. But then Cavani has to give up his number seven jersey. Ronaldo scores five goals in his first five appearances. And then if you remember where it all started to go wrong, they draw 1-1 with Everton at Old Trafford. And he storms down the tunnel, shaking his head, doing a big public thing of shaking his head at Rashford and throwing his hands up. The following week, Solskjaer arrests him. And there was a clip, which works quite well with this weekend, of Fergie chatting with Khabib in the director's lounge and he said you always, you always need to play your best players and then people are already saying well why is he saying this about Oli and Oli gets sacked Rangnick comes in and he subs Ronaldo off at 2-0 up against Brentford in a 3-1 win and he's shaking his head and he's on the bench and he's kicking bottles and he's stropping they then set to play Man City Rangnick drops him and plays Bruno and Pogba up front. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah, Ronaldo says he's injured, goes to Portugal and doesn't come back to the Etihad to watch the game and says he's got a hip flexor injury, which is sorted a week later. They say that it's only come out recently. I think the Sunday Times did a big piece. One Thursday in April of this year, Ronaldo heard what the training session was going to be and said he'd just train on his own because he didn't like what was on the schedule. Jesus. Rangnick quite publicly came out and said Ronaldo doesn't fit the tactical plan. He said something, I think I've got the quote later on, that even in his prime, this wasn't a guy who really relished the idea of pressing the opponent, which is something that a lot of pundits seem to have forgotten about now that he was never this guy that you're asking him to be now. Early July, the news breaks. I was texting Jack. Ronaldo comes out and says he wants Champions League football and it emerges that Jorge Mendes is meeting with Todd Bowley <laughs> trying try to link up and, and get him over to Chelsea. This has got the most Chelsea January transfer. Uh, it's, it's, got, it's the Torres 2.0. We're going to get to that. Oh, we just to love that. that. Oh, God. And they had this whole thing over the start of Ten Hag's tenure where he misses the first two pre-season tours for fair reason. It's um, about his uh, child. But then he comes on and plays against Rio Vercano and he leaves the stadium then and Ten Hag has to answer questions saying he's going to put a stop to that he then starts against Brentford but loses his place. He's only started two games for Ten Hag. One was against Brentford and one was a nil-nil against Newcastle. 
in the league, sorry, he started the Europa games. But, well, he scored a penalty against FC Sheriff, scored a goal against Everton where his fanboys were saying, like, this is why you play this guy. And it's a tricky one for some people because he can still do things that Rashford can't do. He can still do things that no United player up front is going to do. But he also can't press high. He also can't stretch defences. Rio Ferdinand, post-game on Monday, said Cristiano was being saved for the weekend against Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... He doesn't seem to grasp that Ten Hag was willing to let Ronaldo go in August. But nobody wants him. This is the big thing these yeah. United fanboys keep saying. Oh, why did you keep him then? Nobody wanted him. Yeah. Chelsea were the only one. Tuchel lost his job because he didn't want the guy. <laughs> we had Stich- he chose unemployment. Over- I, I, I genuinely <laughs> see some of the chances that United create. And I'm thinking, put him in a Chelsea team and how frustrating. He might actually explode. Because he's, if he thinks he's not getting service at United, you wait. Well, we're going to speak wait. about Chelsea, but I think you can see a fairly clear picture in Aubameyang of what it would be like if you had a less mobile Ronaldo. Yeah. Hmm. We had Chelsea internally came out and said, no, we're not going to sign this guy. Ruben Amarim threatened to leave Sporting over it. Milan put a statement out saying they didn't want him. Napoli put a statement out saying they didn't want him. Dortmund put a statement out saying they want him. Oliver Kahn put out about six at Bayern because he kept being asked about it. He kept saying, look, Cristiano was once a really good player. <laughs> they asked Florentino Perez about him and he just replied 38 years old and walked off. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, isn't it? You, if you try and cling on for as long as, as, as Ronaldo has you will fade away instead of going out in a blaze of glory. Ideally, he probably should have retired when he won that Champions League before he went to Juve. Mm-hmm. Ideally. I mean, well, even if... Well, stay end, at Madrid. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because the problem is, if you, go to, if you get to 38 years old, you don't want to go to leagues which are more competitive. Because no. you look at Messi, I know Messi's playing really well at the moment, but the teams he's playing really well against allows him to do that. Whereas an ever more competitive Premier League when you've got defenders that actually have something to play for because anyone can beat anyone in the league, really. Look at, I mean, Isgibber A is Liverpool Forest at the weekend. You're not going to get these people that have their heads down because they're 3-0 down against the Real Madrid side with Benzema and the likes of Cruz and Modric in. And if you're that desperate for that move, at your age, you're going to have to lower your wage amounts, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. no one's going to cough up those wages. Well, this is, and by the way, you're in a financial position where you can go... Bear in mind your club don't want you. I'll rip up my contract then. Yeah, yeah people but you don't want it for not playing yeah. for free. You don't want it that much. <laughs> yeah. If you if you really wanted that move, the only, the only thing he doesn't have right now is time. Like he's yeah, yeah, not yeah. going to get any better. So you bet you're right. It's better it's, off just saying fuck the money. Oh, let's go. And the extraordinary thing is, someone will listen to this and go, "Oh, why should he do that?" He's like, like he isn't a multi-millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the support from his ex-teammates and Ferdinand and Evra are the worst of the lot. If you could want to go all the way back, there was a big controversy at Juve because Allegri said, obviously, Cristiano can't play every week. And this was a massive thing that Ronaldo then sulked and yep. said that was a huge... And Evra came out at a time and said, you don't talk like that about the greatest player of all time. So this isn't a new shtick for him, by the way, oh, who painful. Ferdinand himself and Ben Foster have come out recently on one of their podcasts and said... 
I don't know who this guy is because Patrice Everett used to be the quietest little mouse in the... He said all he was used as was a translator in the dressing room. <laughs> he used to just translate for Park and that was it. But in November, speaking to The Athletic, Rio said, you're not talking about Joe Bloggs. You're talking about one of the greatest, if not the greatest goal scorers in the history of the game. Decisive. You don't buy him to run and press people. Real Madrid didn't buy him in his pomp to go and press defenders. What do you want it now for? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, but he's also had two managers since he was bought in. So, mm. like, he also that's about six, seven years ago, like Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah I mean, presumably they're going to be saying this about Ronaldo when he's forty-seven of it. Well, yeah, because be, well, it's Ronaldo. Yeah, like, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's gone. He that also, isn't coming back. I, I, I do think these people think. I, he's just got to turn the corner and it'll be Prime Ronaldo again. It's like, that ain't happening. He's gone. In the same and if, quote, if only somebody had warned them that, <laughs> oh, I think a, forward, a team that wants to be pressing, playing pressing football, getting this guy in who didn't want to press at the best of times isn't a good idea. He said, well, how good's Lewandowski at pressing? And it's like, well, he's not been signed for a team that are playing that way. It's like, well, go and play. He probably could have done a job in this Barcelona team if they just want a poacher up top. The Bayern one probably... isn't actually bad for that. No, either, by the, way. No, the Bayern one probably would have worked alright as well when there's far less physical I've seen what those boys say about Sadio I've never gone in on him if he was going Um, if he was having a tough spell so Evra has accused Ten Hag of disrespecting Ronaldo by not letting him leave this summer which as we've gone through already Ronaldo's kind of allies and his fan club say that and you remember this his standards are actually too high for the environment at United and that's what the issue is. And this worked when United had a team of players that they really didn't like. Yeah. When Luke Shaw, and he's just going to be one of those guys who anything goes wrong, Luke Shaw's an easy target in that United side. But the whole thing was... Starting to play well again now. Yeah, and the whole thing was... Um, well, look, Ronaldo is the one setting the standards and they, they can't live up to it. And... Good on him. Good on him. I agree that he should he should be sulking with them. But eventually you hear that too much. And now they start liking players. And they like Casemiro. And they like Martinez. And they like a lot of these players. It's not so easy to say, well, they've obviously got a bad attitude. Because we're seeing with some of these players, if Ten Hag's playing them, they clearly don't have that bad of an attitude. Yeah, you know, he obviously raised the standards so much when he came in <laughs> that they dropped four places and 16 points, was it, from the season before? I mean remarkable Ferdinand told The Athletic last year I think he would see the Europa League as a blemish on his resume that's how intense he is and where his standards are so well fuck off then <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like I said this is it if that is if you want to play for a Champions League team then you'll go I don't care about the money yeah. I don't care about this I'll I'll go to join them well so what, what it turns out and we saw a couple of these rumours in across the summer or Jorge Mendes, on behalf of United, by the way, not them asking him to do this, he will go to Napoli and say, Man United will give you 100 million euros and Ronaldo for Osiman, And he'll be the immediate replacement. You don't have to go and get someone else and you can bag all this money. They say they approach Milan for um, half a liao. And a lot of these teams are saying, well, we'd rather have the guy that we've got. <laughs> <laughs> and they can't get their head around it. United, with the money they've spent already, I said, well, we can't do this. The Napoli one would have made a lot of sense, I think. Fucking wicked for United, yeah. Yeah, but I mean for for Ronaldo in that they are in the Champions League, they're Mm. a decent enough team and the expectations 
are such that they'll probably appreciate him for a while until it'll go but I don't think you want to be pissing off those fans either no but when sporting there might be a culture clash between him and those fans I've got a feeling when sporting are turning their nose up at you and saying that their sporting project means more than bringing you back in one that's a brave thing to do from them but they just won their first league title as well so they Mm. were hungry for more that shows how much they bat their manager and how little clout he carries because they're prepared to do that I'm sure we've all seen the back and forth from Roy Keane, Gary Neville, and uh, Jimmy. Jimmy pitching in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it. Yet. Oh wow! Well, it, it was after the game, so, so yeah. I haven't seen any coverage. If you want to sit for eight minutes, thirty-five seconds on YouTube, then you can. There's a point at which Gary it's a lot Neville of shouting and not really a lot being said. It's no, just a lot of just noise. I, I saw it come up and I assumed it was exactly that. Yeah. And I was like. I might not bother watching. Gary Neville Roy turns to the camera and sure says, "This is great television. Yeah. This is who are you to be telling yeah. us this yeah, is yeah. great television? Don't break the four four, yeah. Gary." And I've, I've got some of the quotes here. Midway for a film. This is great. Yeah. The, this <laughs> is great. The best thing about it is, and you brought this up. Keane has had to basically go the complete opposite of his stance for every other player. He made himself look a cuck. And there's no two ways about it. In doing so, he basically said. This isn't the worst thing United players ever done. And he said, where do you want me to get started? Scolzi, great lad. Let me finish. He refused to play for Man United. He then says, Ronaldo will be fine for this, but he'll find a way back. Rio Ferdinand missed a drugs test. He got banned for eight months. Right under that bus. bus. Oh, oh my Rio. God. Yeah, right believe- under that bus. What? He- I was waiting for him to bring up Giggsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's his whole thing is he scores goals why and he doesn't seem he's a smart guy Roy Keane so he doesn't not understand what they're saying either it's just it's like if I get embroiled in an North London argument with Alex and he makes he makes an intelligent any point, comment I'll be honest <laughs> he, he makes a fair point you're so far in you have to double now, down I'm doing that to however many listeners we have. I'm not doing that on Sky Sports <laughs> where everyone can crop, crop it back to me and show what an idiot you've been. And I listened back to the North London Derby episode. I didn't need anyone to send it back to me. <laughs> he, he then took aim and Gary Neville said, well, I think if you speak to the fans and he said, I couldn't care less what the fans think. I couldn't care less. A lot of the fans haven't got a clue what's going on. <laughs> maybe the most bizarre point of all and I don't actually know what they said Neville said did you see the comments from Bonucci and Chiellini they're two great pros and Roy Keane's going who said they're great pros have you been in the dressing room with them so remarkable just on one he said what I'd say about Ten Hag is he's made a lot of decisions he's got to win football matches but he's not winning enough of them they're fifth in the league they beat Tottenham and they're acting like they won the European Cup they beat Spurs last season Ronaldo got a hat trick if you've got a striker who's scoring every two games, you'll do for me. It was just a mess. Yeah, it, was, it just, it was it just doesn't. Messy. Like Ronaldo stands just can't seem to grasp the concept of time. No, they just can't understand that six years has passed since he was the best player in the world. The Giz is now thirty-eight, and the only way you can really get away with being thirty-eight in the Premier League is if you're playing in defence, mm-hmm. because you're not expected, like you said, to stretch defences, run, run run onwards to create that space they also all like go well you know we know we can't play every game and kick a 
until they kick up a fuss the minute he doesn't play. Yeah. The minute he's not playing every minute of every game. <laughs> and he's like, you've just said he can't play every game. Yeah. Um, but there's a problem. Every, they had a problem that he didn't bring him on against Man City. Every problem when they tries to bring him on. I'm like, why is he bringing him on now? I was like, well, which do you want here? And I'd like to think, like, when Roy Keane was a manager, if anyone walked down the tunnel after the game had finished... He, Gary Neville he, tried to say this. If you were a manager, how would you deal with it? Right. And he basically gave it the... I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Here's my... I'd rather have a striker that scores two goals, yeah. a goal every two games. Absolute coward's way out because there's no way... But you're also, from that, you're seeing why he can't work as a manager. No. Yeah. Because he's too... He's too married to old school principles to the point where... And people aren't exactly going all like, you know, full athletic article when they bring up like pressing. But you can see him like tense up if someone brings up pressing or something like that. Something seems like a modern fad. <laughs> well, he says, and he's like, well, was, it's all about scoring goals. Yeah. He's like, four, well, four fucking two. Yeah. Like, just flat I don't know field. if you care to look, Roy, but we've got a load of players in this league that can press and score goals. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't a team in the Premier League that doesn't press anymore. There is literally no team that can get by no, without no, no. any pressing. Apart from even Spurs, maybe. What? <laughs> even, yeah, who was it we... Uh, Leeds when we played them last week there will be teams where I'll do things like when you get into our final third then they initiate like a full team press and they just block off any scale of movement but that starts from the front yeah. and yeah. if he's there we've seen before we've seen in Liverpool all it takes is one player to not press properly mm-hmm. and it creates a gap and I don't know what they do with him I won't I mean I don't have to tell you if it's a United fan that we all know and has been on this podcast you mentioned Ronaldo and the fit. Well, the Glazers. And he's not the only one. <laughs> what? He's not the only one. It's, this is Glazers, a sickness. The Glazers keep him here because he's this financial commodity and the marketing. They tried getting rid of him. Not the Glazers person. To be fair, the Glazers, they say, did have some scepticism because on paper they see a guy that scored 24 goals last season mm. and they don't understand how that could be to the detriment of the side. Well, to be fair them and United fans on the same page on that one because every time you put an argument against him you what like your argument would be like so you go well look he'll score goals but it'll be to the detriment of the team That'll be, and they go yeah but what about the goals he scores like, did you listen to the yeah, argument yeah, I just yeah. made I didn't dispute the fact he's going to score goals and, and they don't mention as well that those goals may be in 1-1 draws or like losses or in the yeah. Europa League against well, they, they, the thing is he would have scored that chance Rashford got yeah. would he have got the chance no. would he have made the run or got and they, yeah, yeah. they often yeah, not a lot of these it's if you directly put Ronaldo and we could just pause the game yeah. and swap yeah. the player, yeah. and it's it's where the whole thing goes wrong of the, and I don't think many people say it seriously, you could put me in that City team and yeah. I'll score five goals. And it's like, we... You're not getting <laughs> yeah. in that spot. Yeah. And that that's the whole thing with them. And I do wonder with Ronaldo, I think he'll play again. And I think it's he's going to be shoved in every dead Europa game now because they don't have the squad not to do it. Yeah, yeah. But we saw it last season where we had an ageing Aubameyang and sometimes when you have a goal scorer, just someone who has that tag with their name, players on the pitch almost look at everyone else second and they go directly to this guy and that's even just at the detriment of the team and our goals spread out after that. We didn't get what we wanted to get but the team played so much better and there's stories when you're reading The Athletic and every other paper that Ronaldo's going back in the dressing room after and he's slagging off players for not passing to him in games when they've scored, where, say, it's another player that scored and he's saying, well, I was free. Why didn't you pass to me? No, I mean, how people ask at 
just trying to skirt around the fact that the guy's a total prick. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Because there's weird, this weird like thing that I put in our group. I thought we were all on the same page that once upon a time, this guy was great at football, yeah. but a bit of a cunt. Yeah. But there seems to be this thing that he has to be a lovely guy as well. I was like, no, he's clearly. Yeah. And that thing you said there about him slagging people even though they scored and United won. This was the biggest problem with the Spurs one. It's maybe the best performance they've had under Ten Hag, really showing it's all coming together and they're going in the right direction. So you storming off means I'm above this in terms of it's supposed to be all about me. Yeah. I'm not happy for my teammates. Insert the Breaking Bad meme of, e- no, wait. It's Which I will always me. enjoy, yeah. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> Even when people are posting about Liverpool fans. Yeah. <laughs> you hear it with um, goalkeepers, don't you? Where they'll say, look, I don't necessarily want him to do badly. If he does do badly, yeah. I'm not going to feel bad but about it. But every time you won a game the sub-keeper shropped off and walked down the touchline, he's not going to be about very long. And, there's a weird and the thing. fact that it's Ronaldo and people are going, well, it's Ronaldo, I'd say he should be held up to a higher standard because you're going, well, if you are setting this great professional example, then you can't be doing that. Well, that's exactly also- right with, with what was being said about these high standards by Roy yeah. Keane. It's like, well, they're not obviously, no. they're obviously not very high because no. that encompasses the whole part of being a it's model a, professional. Being a petulant kid. Yeah. If a kid did that, you'd be like, that's not, you can't do that. You've got to learn. And when they talk about being a detriment to the team as well, like not only when he's playing, but now he's being a detriment to the team when he's on the bench. Imagine that's a problem. If he had stuck around for the dressing room, obviously that's a bit beyond him as well. Yeah. If he'd stuck around, it'd be so awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because he'd be there like fuming and you'd all be buzzing because you've just got to win. And they've, again, they've won against good teams, beating Arsenal, beating Liverpool, beating Spurs, <laughs> got, got a late draw against Chelsea. So these are all big results. And they're showing that the direction they're heading it in and it ain't including him. And he's just a I don't know, a total narcissist he's shown himself yeah. to be. And the fact that people defend him is just so well, bizarre. Neville's conveniently flip flop now because he didn't have this attitude. But I've, I've two thought weeks he ago. came off all right in that debate though. He did. In that but, I thought he acknowledged a prior relationship with Ronaldo, but basically still came out and critiqued it. Well you couldn't slide. Whereas off. like Rio and Roy or whatever, it was like, Do you wanna like Get him out your mouth. By the way, <laughs> I can't way, this out. This is one of the greatest players of all time, and yeah, every single time that was mentioned at the start of it, I was, I was just staggered. Like they're former United legends, I'd be like, we're not saying, well, Roy and Gary should be getting a run out. Well, Rio's thing is he likes to take credit for getting him there. So this is as much a reflection on him that he feels he has something to do with it. You could take the praise when it was going well, and I'll be, hang on a minute, you. They they should have just let him go to City because they were never going to. Re- you can't rebuild with him there. No. And no. they need him gone ASAP. And the issue is, if he's got a bee in his bonnet now, he's probably not going to let them pay him off. I think it's been... That, that City transfer, it was purely just because they didn't want him. That PRD disaster of the more, their biggest legend goes so he to got City. Tilted the so more bad that comes City. out of it now, and I think some of it is easier to believe. Internally, they say Pep was doubtful. And... They essentially needed to get rid of Sterling and then Ronaldo was going to come in and across all competitions, they felt he could add depth. And they felt that Ronaldo would have been more on board because he was coming to play for a winner. Mm. They say it was never as close as Rio and Fergie got on a plane and got on the phone and said, hang on a minute, you cannot let this happen. You can't join your rivals. It's not the first time. And United were winning and they had Schmeichel join their rivals. They've had plenty of players join them over the years. But if you're doing well, you don't care about it. I don't care about Aubameyang at Chelsea in the way that I cared about Fabregas at Chelsea. Yeah. It's, it's it's just different. And I don't know what they're going to do here because this doesn't feel like 
Aubameyang, there was the one, so he was dropped for the game. It's, it wasn't Newcastle. It was Southampton. It was mm-hmm. Southampton. Yeah. So I was in the ground. News came through beforehand that he'd been dropped from the side. And I came on here the Monday after and basically said, it doesn't feel good, but we'll know. Basically, if he's not in the next team, then I think you, you struggle to come back from that. It doesn't feel at this point like they're completely closed off to having him back. And they may feel like they can teach him a lesson. I don't think you can. I don't see that no. this isn't just going to happen again at the next opportunity. When Ten Hag said you live live and learn, I was like, do you know, you obviously don't know this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. There's yeah. no way that he's going to be taking a moral lesson from this. Yeah. It's just going to double down. Yeah, like expecting Gaza to stop drinking. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, how how long does a guy need to learn his lesson? Yeah. Every time Rashford misses a chance, he looks to the bench and he sees Ronaldo there knowing what he's thinking. And by the way, lends into this thing, him being a total narcissist. I've never seen a Serb more camera aware of, than him. Every single time that camera pans to him, he's making a face for the exact reason yeah. of face like fern or whatever. And, but it's all hidden behind this he's a winner. Yeah. And you can't dispute he's a winner, but if you wanted to, this is the only time in his career he's landed at a team that wasn't ready made to win. Yeah. And he tried to throw in the towel in the summer. Yeah. It's the first time. If you look at, obviously, he breaks into the United team when he's, what, 17, 18. They're obviously the top team. Goes to Madrid, goes to Juve. Each time, they're either the league winner or the next team that's going to be the yeah. league winner. This is the f- he came back here after they came second and thought, you know what? My goal was added to it. Might be able to push him if not win a league we'll be saying we'll be very close yeah. and I'll be able to get all the glory from that realised he couldn't and he was going to be nowhere near and spewed and thought I can't fucking stick around here yeah. which if you supposedly love this club and are coming home etc one you wouldn't do but also if you're a winner you're a winner the, the first time you get adversity you're throwing the towel there's I'm not so sure there's yeah. different ways of doing it as well isn't there and it's an, it's an easy comparison to make but if you look at Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko coming in at Arsenal. Now, they're never going to be the players Ronaldo are, but they're players who've been told they're winners, sometimes by convenience because you've been part of the squad, but they have contributed. And they've come in and you hear about the attitude change. And even go back to when Milner joined Liverpool after winning at Man City. I don't know if you're helping our points here, but uh, I'll let you carry on. <laughs> but, you hear, but then you hear about what they do and it's in terms of helping players to get to that level. Yeah. The experience of saying, we've been here before, this is how we get past this difficult stage. Any difficult stage they've had, he's made it worse. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's it's the com- it's the complete opposite. He definitely he's, goes down the line of beating with the stick rather than leading with the carrot. Yeah, but it's not even like, like a good version of that because yeah. it's always, oh, you guys could have done better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, that's really helpful. That's going to yeah. get us going. So like, well, if you guys could have just do what I could do, one you got to accept they can't. Also, you've got to yeah, you've got to because you, you see a lot of being made of terrors last season where they kept him around to be a good kind of dressing room cohesion mm. glue. And to like help the younger players and just give general kind of advice and play a few games here and there. You, you're not keeping Ronaldo around for the same sentiments, are you? Just, no, no, Just no. this guy giving you absolute pelters every time he walks through. Yeah, this weird sort of thing that the ex-pros or whatever think his personality is going to translate that way. It's yeah. just really odd to me. There's so many players throughout history, you, you wouldn't want to keep them around no. because they're not going to age well. And it's... But for some reason with him, they're like, it'll be really great for him. <laughs> well, and apart from anything, the only thing they can do is like, oh, well keep yourself in good shape. So, well, if you don't know that as a professional footballer, <laughs> yeah. then it's probably time to pack it up. Well, they say the that- idea that putting the desserts down was because Ronaldo walked in the door. 
Well, there was all the stuff where he was bringing a clique of players to go and have it out with Rangnick. And he was dishing out about Harry Maguire. And Rangnick said to him, have some respect and do it when Harry Maguire's here. Don't do it behind his back. <laughs> and a load of United players backed down. And Ronaldo apparently could not believe what he was hearing. That Rangnick wouldn't just bow down yeah. to this guy. Look at his reactions when they won the Euros. And he's making it all about him on the sidelines when he's gone off injured. And he's charging up and down yeah. the whole game, just not rather than sit on the bench. He's just a, a twat and... Well, let's talk about Chelsea Man United because that game did also happen. Uh, yeah. It actually uh, is a nice segue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's actually effective. Um, not like the one to the Liverpool game, you mean. <laughs> so, the main talking points from the game, Jack. Cucurelli is subbed after about 30 minutes. Yeah. My first question to you. Should early substitutions not be more embarrassing for the manager than the player? Yeah, he got it. like this. Graham Potham got, got it wrong. I don't think... I mean, Kukure didn't play well, but he didn't play bad enough to be hooked. It was just the one that needed to come off. I would have thought he'd learned his lesson by now. I mean, having seen him at Villa away getting hooked on 45 because he's just too short to play at centre-back and getting absolutely bullied by Danny Ings. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not a player you want to be bullied by in the air. Do you know what I mean? The contempt of which I was saying is yeah. great. <laughs> and then he's played him in the back three again. I know it's a kind of, it's a necessary evil. Win. He must have thought he was getting out of jail with Potter coming in. I'm in the back three again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it part of it? A- Cucurell's his guy, but you also don't want to drop Chilwell. And it's like... Chilwell's playing better than him at the moment. It's, it's, well, we it's had a weird thing where... That. He's an we, Englishman. He knows there's a World Cup coming. We yeah, have to play... Lacazette and Aubameyang and they couldn't play together mm. but you don't want to drop one of them because they're two of your best players on, on paper at least yeah, and yeah. is this the thing now where it's like, is that the same I'm not sure if that's the same yeah, thing can, 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 can which one of Chio and Cucurella is playing on the yeah. way then can Cucurella not play right wing back I mean I suppose he could I don't know how both footed he is I, honestly I haven't seen enough of him with a right foot to know if I'm being brutally honest but no one does the left guy on the right no, they just don't ev- do it they everyone, won't do it everyone does the, the right Saka, guy on the yeah, left yeah. Saka left, went left to right yeah, but he's um, God's child, isn't he? So it's yeah. But yeah, going back to your question, Potter got it wrong massively. Like, we were sat there just thinking the worst because I thought it was just coming. I, I could not believe they hadn't scored yet. Um, and it got to 30 minutes. I was like, we need to change it now. And as if by magic, <laughs> I just see someone warming up on the side. I'm like, cool. And You're going to and sink. Yeah, and as soon as we put three in midfield, it looked like a game of football. So... I, I odd that he didn't go with that. For <laughs> so as managers as good as him, it is odd that he. You'd have looked at that team, I think, pre-game and thought that's a bit of a problem. It's not like that he the... makes the change so early, though. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. He's done it before as well. He's made early changes before because I think he's of the ilk of I'd rather not go in one nil down than save my blushes well, to um, admit that I got it wrong. I yeah. watched um, the highlights back on Chelsea's YouTube channel. Now they have their own commentators on these. And <laughs> oh, did you ever read the Chelsea match reports on their website after a game? There was a phase where they'd be posted on Twitter, yeah. And they were like, you could have three or four contentious decisions in the game, and it would be like, and of course the referee decided <laughs> yeah. to go, to, and it would be like nice. one of us if we were doing it. Um, and they're on there, and the commentators on on there are saying. I can see him warming up, but I mean, it'd be nice if we could get this earlier on rather than just wait till our time because it might not be nil-nil at that stage. Mm. And then the next thing is you see Kovacic on the field. It's a strange thing that if people were to rate your midfielders for the last however long, Kante's been the consensus one pick regardless of how many games he's played. 
but Kovacic would always usually be the second option. And yeah. is it that he's been nursing an injury, or yeah, is it just so he spent most of the last season injured? I mean, for now to be not be no, no, but by. they're managing his game time because he played against Brentford and he played against um, Aston Villa. That'd be three games in a week from a guy who's got chocolate hamstring, hamstrings. And that's, we saw plenty of those hamstrings. Yeah, oh, we did. We plenty oh, of that, we man. Did. Um, so well, I did him I, a disservice, by the way. I said it was Luke Shaw when we were scrolling yeah. past. <laughs> I genuinely think that that they're just managing him as games. They know he's our most important midfielder because we know we're not going to get Canty back for four months, which is... You're trying to flog him to us, you I bastards. Mean, the thing is, he is brilliant. But the last three seasons, if you add up his game time, it equates yeah. to like half a season. And the wear and tear is starting to show. So, so I just genuinely don't think there's a, a future for him because we just can't count on him. Um, so no. I think the problem is with our midfield is we love all our midfielders. Georgina is contentious between most people, but Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Kovacic is about as good as midfield as you're going to get without them actually producing any end product. Chelsea, We have no yeah. goals and no assists from our midfield. But we're so reluctant to change it because they drive our team forwards, their engines, they get around the pitch and make great tackles, but they've got no goal output at all, either of them. Yeah, you, you watch both of them again. It's obviously totally different, yeah. but like with the Harvey Elliott thing we were saying earlier, it's like, they're obviously very good. Yeah. And then you look at the end of the game, like, what did they do to impact yeah. like the change in this game? Like, your, comment, your commentators assumed it was going to be Loftus Cheek coming off. <sighs> I wouldn't. I mean, he's been a, one of our best midfielders, best players all round all season. He is he not one that can do no wrong in Chelsea eyes. No, it, the reason why people love him so much is because he can get the ball in tight spots and beat men. That's not something we have in our midfield. It's not something we're blessed but, with in our team. But as an extreme, Saka could make mistakes that William couldn't make. Oh yeah, of course. And is Loftus Cheek? Is he one of those guys? In- no, genuinely, he is just playing that well. Like when you when you watch him in the flesh and you see him with the ball at his feet and how powerful he is against other players. He's got everything you could want. Exactly, it's crazy, apart really. from goals, which is the most frustrating part because if he added goals to it, oh, I would yeah. he would be unreal and it, like he would be starter every week, which he pretty much is now. But when I talk about him taking the ball inside areas, he gets on midfield out of such tight spots. It's important. It's the same with cover because he can do the same and dribble and drive the team on. But then you, how far do you take that midfield when they're not contributing to goals and not creating chances? Because I look back, I, sometimes I look back at these highlights of the Matter days and we're playing with Hazard, Matter and Oscar and I was seeing the chances that were being created and they're like, why is this not happening now? How do we get back to this? Because we haven't got anyone in our team that can do that. They're more workman-like now. Yeah, they, exactly. It's just, that. it's all kind of all graphs no no thrill is it going to have to be some ruthless decision about getting someone in dropping one of them Ex- exa- exactly go. that it's no, going to you're have good to, but you're not it's going to have to happen in an odd way their respective injury records might do you a favour where yeah. you might be able to go wow you don't stay fit long enough yeah. so you can be a squad player exactly. they're not going to like it but. exactly that. I remember when uh, Birds on Twitter discovered Loftus-Cheek in 2016 <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> that as well I'm sure maybe why he was in the squad. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think Ron Loftus Cheek was the first player name that my missus learned when we went to go see him. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. do you know him? Though? I mean, he's yeah. not a particularly. Because what's that? Ruben Loftus Cheek. I look at look at her. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. She's she's calling um, Fernando Torres Ralph Torres for about two years. That's a handsome man. Yeah, yeah shame. Ralphie Torres. The uh, the thing was with that is, if I remember they were like really insistent that he should be in the World Cup squad. So what? <laughs> how attached are you to this man? Yeah. <laughs> um. Anthony and Rashford missed good opportunities in the first half and Chelsea did look for the most part like they were being controlled. Yeah, big time. It looked like that. 
It was, um, yeah, sorry, carry on. The moment, I, it doesn't say a lot about your highlights when Kepper passing out from the back is included. <laughs> but there is a sequence where, yeah, does that tell you why Potter's picking him over Mendy? 100%. I've said this like plenty of times that the ball at Mendy's feet is absolute nightmare fuel. Like, it's. Horrible. That's a Ballon d'Or nominee. It's it's horrible. <laughs> um, what he did have is that he was a good shot stopper, and then when he stopped being a good shot stopper, he ceased to be a functioning keeper in this Chelsea team. Because when he can't stop shots and he can't pass the ball, what are you doing there? And he cost us way too many points. He got broken by Makawaki. <laughs> yeah, and I think Kappa. I I mean I stayed on that Kappa bandwagon. If you remember, longer than most. Yeah, yeah uh, if, if you remember. You also said the Frank there, one longer yeah. than most. <laughs> There's a keeper in there and we're starting to see that keeper. I don't know what... He's got that keeper in him. And I think, like, he was inches away. I mean, I don't know if we're coming on to the goal. We're, we're yeah, coming so on to the goal. Um, <laughs> you're literally making the save. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the ball, is, about that the ball at his feet, it just instills so much more confidence. That means that we can control the games a bit more. He's not booting it out for a throw-in or kicking it up to one of their players he's going to find one of our men, which means we've got a transitional play of when they're trying to press us, we've got a chance of beating it. Whereas Mendy, it was a 50-50 chance whether we beat the press or it's in the back of our own net. He gave one away against us. He gave one away against Real Madrid. And Yeah, we cost us the type Real Madrid, if you look at it overall score-wise. West Ham away cost us that as well. I'm going to ask you this first, Jack. Um, Any issue with the penalty? Look, if anyone is given that penalty in this room and you know it, you're screaming for it. Absolutely no issue with it. It's a pen. Okay. okay. I thought you were saying it wasn't. No, um, absolutely no issue. That if, if you look at it, he had his hands clasped round his waist to the point where his fingers were interlocked. Hey, look, same, that is a hey, foul. Look, the same happens a day later. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> what? What was he thinking? Oh, yeah. anything. Like, He's obviously got right, Scott, come on and shore it up a bit, yeah. mate. <laughs> At Old Trafford, they get away with that. Yeah. So that's, that's probably, probably right. the thinking. But the other thing is, with those fouls, is it's entirely reliant on the ref giving it. Because yeah. they're not going to make them, unless you like boot someone in the head, the ref, the they're ref, not going to make you go and look at it the most ref of the time. The him about it before. He, he does it, and it's pointed out by, who is it that goes down? Uh, Brozier. Brozier. He points out to the ref beforehand, and nice work for me. We had yeah. one recently with that, didn't we? It was me. I think it was a Palace game. It happened in, in a game recently where it was pointed out, and then the player does the exact same seconds later. And it's like, I always enjoy when you get one of those on a, if you don't know what's happened, but you're watching match of the day. Yeah. And they're going, they're showing a lot. Why are they yeah. showing yeah. this crowd of players in the yeah. corner? What's going they on here? They usually show the ball going out for throw, yeah. and what's happening next? Oh, they're showing him getting a yellow yeah. card. Well, I bet he gets another one later. <laughs> I will say I just looked down at my notes and saw McTominay's name and thought Jack was going to be up in arms about the penalty and it's just clicked to my yeah, head yeah 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 because when, when he went to talk and you looked confused like yeah. what were you expecting Jack to yeah. say yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be absolutely you you, fully against this penalty that was given to us in the 86 I was disgusted minute. but uh, yeah, if yeah. we uh, do. rewind okay Tiki I'll go to you first here <laughs> and get your opinion on this disgraceful decision not sure how they got a penalty stand for a bridge lot <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, again, I'm pretty consistent on my opinion on this. Like, if you're going to be that stupid, yeah, I'm you've ended glad. up, you've made your bed. Because on that bastard gets I'm, punished, I'm happy. I mean, because he gets away with especially murder. if all Fred's balling now. Yeah, was, he's showing the levels. I was looking down at my phone, and in my group chat, it was just that's so soft. Oh my god, that's so soft. And I was like, I can't believe a game like this could be decided like this. Was on that. And, and yeah, I mean, I was listening to talk. I didn't even know he was on Talksport. 
It's on oh, top. he's got the big gigs now. Yeah, and we're yeah. driving home, and I was like, is that Mark Goldbridge? I've just seen for years he wouldn't do yeah. it, by the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was looking down at my phone, it's like, that's so soft. And I was like, that makes it even better. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I've just said that about Goldbridge. If they ring me up tomorrow and say, do you want to come on TalkSport? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'll, be taking, just, a, yeah. I'll be taking a moral stand. <laughs> Why is Byron having out with Jim White? I didn't yeah. know he was on it. Candy versus Byron. Yeah. The match-off that we want to see. I've listened to TalkSport more recently with the, the bloke I go to the games with. He has it on in the car. After a win, when you hear, and we've got Jamie O'Hara on next on drive, yeah. it's yeah. like crack. Yeah. The thing with O'Hara is, he he will basically fess up and go, Spurs are shit. Quite with minimal push, he will like, get cave him. him. Because in the last six days, he said, I don't know why no one's talking about us for the title. And this whole team is, <laughs> he's called them bang average today. It's yeah. like, Jamie, do you, do you remember what you said last week? I remember the midweek games used to be driving home with Goldstein and Cundy on the sports bike. I think, that's great. I can, that's all, I can get into this. You're the only one who's ever listened to Cundy. Yeah. Yeah, some bloke phoned up in the week, I saw it, after they lost to uh, United. I listened to see the clip the next day and some bloke phones up and said, Jamie, big fan of yours. Why do you always have to be on with Cundy? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, unfortunately, that's my job, mate. I'm, I'm on with him most nights. <laughs> well, Cundy's just sat there. Like, oh. <laughs> um, How badly would Boris Morale be here if he, he, was, he was on a thing with Cundy and they were like, that Byron fella's fucking deluded. I, I, I genuinely think, <laughs> He's a bit much, that Byron fella. I, I genuinely think for a Christmas special, we should ring the sports bar and record Byron versus Kennedy. I would love that. The last time I was on the radio, they kicked me off. Don't forget Did that. Luther Blissett. Did they? Didn't want smoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll try. Jack, any issues with Kepa for the Casemiro goal? No. He's inches away from making another good save. It, you, that's the way it goes, his keepers. You played in goal. Yeah. When you're his height, yeah. should you not stay on your goal line more? Yeah, I don't think he's expecting that, that header. Because I've being, seen Chelsea fans yeah. complaining about his positioning before. Like, he isn't aware yeah. of where he is. I, I think look, the vein of form that he's in, and the fact that we could have been 2-0 down at half-time if it wasn't for him, making some pretty decent saves, gives him a pass on this one. Especially after he's just won us four points from Brentford and Villa and playing absolutely out of his skin. He was literally inches from one of the best saves ever. It was just... When you, well, uh, when you think <laughs> if you're tipping it onto the post and then having the agility to get back up and almost smother the ball, just unlucky they went over the goal line. I don't actually. It is a great header as well. Yeah, it it, is. Th- that as well. I don't have a problem with it personally. I think he's got enough cash in the bank at the moment to get over that. And if the my fact brother, that he gets something on it in the first place and almost saves it is decent. My brother did actually message me last week so I mean, in honest praise for the Kepa triple save and I do like him but he only had to make a triple save because he didn't do very well at all with the original shot. I mean, it's blasted, isn't it? It through a crowd of people which is why he beat it out. It didn't... Keeper's union. He yeah. was doing it for the cameras. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> and I hate keepers to just yeah. make saves for it's the cameras. disgusting. This isn't any great consolation to you, Jack celebrations in that little corner at Stamford Bridge do hit different for the away it's, it's, team it's, it's, I saw someone tweet this yeah. it's like a collective awakening <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's, great, it's, it's one of the worst away ends for have for a home supporter because Limbs. because they're behind the goal so they can just run straight to it we always attack the Matthew Harden in first uh, second half so it means they're always attacking their fans second half it's, it's one of the an old school ground where you're, you're on the pitch basically with the two tiers Eddie last season leaning on the corner flag. Yeah. Unreal. Uh, Saka like, actually after the penalty. Yeah, and I, I can imagine that because it's just, just a great... It used to be in the West Stand. I know it used to be in the East Stand, sorry, and it got moved for the hospitality, which is better there because they're out of the way. You've got two ends then and not on camera, which is great. But yeah, it, for an away fan, I can't imagine there'd be much better also, away ends. I'm, 
I don't think Stamford Bridge has the juice like that anymore. No one's scared about going to Stamford Bridge. Well, I do not. I'm not. When, uh, this, we're going there in a fortnight. Oh, no. Stop. <laughs> My guy's feeling bullish. Ooh, we can have to join to Southampton. Ooh, yeah. There was a time when you went to Stamford Bridge and it was you're going there open for a draw. Yeah. When I go to Old Trafford, I still look at them and like, they are shite. We should be beating them. But I'm aware that it's Old Trafford. Yeah. Same with Anfield. Yeah. Stamford Bridge. It's been a right for you recently. Yeah. Fair, yeah. You've not beaten United in about five years now. 2017 is the last time we beat the Arva Murata header. So all of, this, all of these banter era, Us. this banter era United, we haven't been able to cash in on it. <laughs> I've been the only fan that's not been able to enjoy this banter era because we haven't beaten them since 2017. For what it's worth, we haven't enjoyed you playing them either. Yeah. <laughs> we have suffered and, in those games. And going on about you not fearing come to Stamford Bridge yeah. I mean that's evident I was sat by two United fans in the Chelsea end oh no and it, it, one of them was an American Chelsea fan and basically Luke Shaw ran down were you in hospitality or not no not in hospitality we were in we are in the West Stand but not in the boxes or anything like that and Luke, we're right near the pitch like in the West Stand you can see us on the camera and Luke Shaw runs down the wing and this guy behind us goes calls Luke Shaw a fat cunt right because <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Luke Shaw, you fat cunt. Anyway, it's with his seven-year-old lad as well in the seat next to him. And it's, he's like proper cockney, I'm talking. He's wearing like a, a flat cap and all sorts. So this American guy, this big bold geezer with like big black glasses on, with a turtleneck on, turns around to him and goes, can you leave it out, man? It's just some people are trying to watch the game. Oh, and he's like, no. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, and, and I'm sat next to him like, Oh, God. Help yourself, man. Yeah, and he's basically turned around and goes, well, you're not a fucking mank, are Words to the effect. And he goes, well, actually, I am. Oh, and it's no. like, why are you offering out that information? No. So anyway, his younger son next to him has a cap on. He's getting his cap flipped off and thrown around the stands. Oh, he's giving it like absolute stacks. And it's, it's coming to blows by the first goal. It's, it's, <laughs> so much so, the stewards have to get involved and pull him out of the stadium for his own safety. And it's what like a fucking idiot. But it's like you're offering out the information. Not only are you American, but you're an American United fan. Yeah. All game is like they're the real fans. Go and sit with them. Like as he's getting like slapped in the back of his head, and it's just like I don't have any sympathy for him. No, because he watched what, Elijah Wood at the start of Green Street. Yeah. Before I'm going to replicate that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to learn the lessons of this yeah, film. I just don't understand Bowley what he was thinking. This is a safe space. Yeah, I don't understand what he was thinking. No, I had a survey from Arsenal today asking about the Premier League. I think it's sending it out, and it was like, have you ever heard swearing at a game? What? what do you want me to say here? Shut up. Um, last thing on this game, uh, I saw the suggestion on Twitter. Is Casemiro better going forwards than we perhaps thought in the same way that we saw the, the two players come from Juventus where they weren't being unlocked properly? There was the thing with Jesus at first when he was like, okay, this guy might be better than, than we actually thought he is. Is that, is that a thing or... This, we would never usually see him anywhere near the other team's penalty area. Yeah, so no. I, I think you've nailed it there. I think in his job at Real Madrid is going to be vastly different to what it is at United. He like, is to mop up when Modric hasn't got the legs to get back. I've not seen him enough in and around the area to form an opinion. But I think if you probably if you were to go back and watch his Real Madrid great you would probably find enough he's obviously in, he's got a goal here and he looks like he's doing a little bit more he might have taken more responsibility because United are the shitter than his Real Madrid teammates but I reckon if you probably watched it you'd probably find enough footage of him doing similar probably similar when he wasn't garbage fab for us 
he is there to sit and break up, but he he's can got, get on the board and get forward a bit as well when he wants to. So probably similar to that, I guess. Um, not much on Southampton Arsenal. Arsenal drew for the first time in 27 match days, first since January this year against Burnley at home. Um, Seems appropriate. Got off to a fast start. Uh, not sure if you're aware, but Xhaka has had some issues with the Arsenal fans previously, <laughs> but he turned it around. Um, commentators did let us know again. <laughs> How has he been able to do that? Yeah. How? Thank God for those commentators. We'd be all in the dark otherwise. I'll ask you first, TK. Um, Gabriel Jesus now hasn't scored in his last four starts. It's a normal Chelsea striker, that. Have we learned anything new? That's informed. Yeah, that's <laughs> an informed Chelsea striker. Chelsea striker. Have we learned I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Twitter, particularly Arsenal fans, if, these things, though, particularly in the age of social media, they are made into a problem. So this might not be a problem, but it can quickly be made into one because you go, well, he hasn't scored in however long. He did look like he snatched at a couple of chances in the Southampton one, which told me he's maybe starting to think about it a little bit. He, he did. He commented on as much as But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried in terms of, I think he's playing pretty well as he was at the beginning of the year when we were all praising him. Yeah. Just hasn't had the couple of goals sprinkled in as well. So well, I wouldn't worry. If, if you go another four games... I might start looking at it, but I wouldn't be that worried. I can't wait for him to get the Werner treatment. <laughs> if you, if, if <laughs> he's you, making the right runs. Yeah. If we you, go down the Darwin route. He's putting loads of effort in. <laughs> if you compare... Wenger obviously saw a lot of different strikers during his time at Arsenal. Omri was always the benchmark. He was different to Jesus quite significantly, but a guy who wasn't just content to stand in and around the penalty area. And I remember when we signed Aubameyang, Wenger, it was like he discovered a new kind of striker. And he said something he really liked was that you would never see him sprinting anywhere other than in the penalty area. And he said the good thing was, at the time when he has to put the ball in the back of the net, he still has as much energy. He's got he's got the complete strength in his legs to put it in. Jesus sometimes has been going like full Harry Kane. Like you're seeing him on the halfway line. And I think that worked against certain teams. It worked against Spurs. It works against um, Liverpool, where you need that. Sometimes here, he's dribbling from so far deep. It's, it's like he can't set himself before he shoots. Mm. And he is a player that has flaws. And they're flaws that we were well aware of when he signed for Arsenal. I think he had more big chances missed. And he's missed some good ones for Arsenal. He missed one against uh, Leeds. He missed one where he chipped it too yeah. high over the keeper. But his um, like expected goals assists is... I think Haaland is on 0.80 per game. Jesus is on 0.76. So he's still creating for others and he's still doing enough. I think, as you said, he's still thinking about it a bit too much. And he said afterwards, it's something that I came here to score goals. That hasn't changed. I still want to score goals. And I think as soon as he gets one, I'm not saying we're at the stage where it has to go in off his backside. <laughs> But the ones against, like the one against Leicester, where he does a little swivel in the box and he chips it over Ward, and we know a bit more about Ward. <laughs> Although he has four clean sheets in his last five games now. Now that's a comeback. Wow. That was one where he's not thinking about it, and I think he just needs a bit more about that because he's he's dribbling so far that he must just be. I always reference because I did it once. I remember once in a game for Brockworth doing a little swivel on a nutmeg someone, and the first thing I thought was how the hell about get rid of the shoot now because I'm not topping this and he must be thinking about the wonder goal he's about to score before he's got there the one against Spurs where he swivels through mm. and it's maybe if he gets to the point where he stops doing that where I'd be more concerned 
I'm hearing a lot about us being knackered. And at this stage, this maybe won't age well in terms of me saying it. I think we're at an advantage, even with the Thursday, Sunday, compared to Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, in that we can rotate half our team on a Thursday. It's not like we're playing our first team on a Thursday and a Sunday. So there's still less recovery time. There's still a travel involved. Travelling to Holland and PSV is not going to be an arduous task. And you are properly rotating, are you? From from London, I'll be like going to Manchester. We're not actually rotating as much as you think. And I was going to ask Jack this. Arteta spoke, he, Saka took a bit of a knock against uh, PSV in the week and he stayed on the pitch and Arteta was asked afterwards, what, were you, why is Saka playing in this game basically? And a lot of Arsenal fans, when we see it, why is Martinelli playing? Why is Saka playing? And he said, well, all the best players in the world play every three days. They play 60, 70 games a season and they do that and they, they score 50 goals or whatever it is. I don't want any of my players to feel privileged to the point where they aren't banging on my door saying I want to play every week. Because if we do get in the Champions League next year, you almost don't want them thinking, oh, well, I'm used to having the midweek off or whatever. So I don't know, because you played in the Europa League uh, as well. Do you think you should be rotating completely or should you still be playing enough of these significant players I think group stages you rotate as much as you possibly can because you'll need those players when you get to the business end so if you want some silverware Jesus Saka Xhaka Gabriel Tomiyasu played against PSV in the week and then again on Sunday yeah but again prior to that you'd rotate more heavily hadn't you yeah. we, he right. tends to Xhaka's they don't played, all play at the same time for example Xhaka's well, played everyone okay. um, but he he's touch wood here he's been a freak yeah, pretty much yeah yeah and like you said with Salah when he went down injured like, well this would be really showing our bad luck here if he's injured yeah, because he doesn't this guy's always fit it seemed Gabriel and Xhaka have played every time this is the first one Saka's started and it's been Martinelli and the others so it's basically been one of the yeah. two we had some kind of depth then Elneny and Smith-Rowe got injured and we, I think we kind of had two players in every position before that and then I think Gabriel He's trying to get his confidence and he usually doesn't miss games. Yeah. So I kind of saw what he was saying, but I do think anytime we don't get a result after a Thursday, people are going to say, oh, well, the players are tired. When we still created... I wondered if that was part of what he was trying to do, though, was just how much of tiredness is talking about it and mentally becoming tired. So yeah. he's yeah. trying to go, you're not tired. Yeah. Trust me, you're all right. Because, yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, if you play in the midweek in the Champions League game and then you go and draw on a Saturday... Say you get three PM kickoff on a Saturday. You've played on an early mm. Tuesday. You get no one in the studio going, "Oh, they're probably tired from that midweek yeah, game." Yeah, yeah, Not exactly. until later in the season. Well, and yeah, it's been the same well, game well, time. Well, even then, you're having that conversation now with Europa League when you're playing yeah. in that. It's the same amount of days. I know it's that Thursday, Sunday, but no one ever goes. Oh, these players must be tired. And you've got your first team playing like Milan. What, you, we, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. An actual, an actual game. Whereas teams yeah. in the Champions League average a three-day break. Teams in the Europa average a two-day break. Well, but yeah, yeah. there's strength in opposition. Yeah. When you get to the later stages, it's not going to be too different no. with how the Europa League is no, now. Especially with the teams that are going to be in it but dropping down. I, I lost awesome in the last couple of weeks. People are probably tired of hearing me say it now. Topping the group avoids an extra round of fixtures, so yes. we need one more point on Thursday. And then I think the idea is probably. You can play the secretary. Yeah, uh, in, yeah in the yeah, last yeah. two games, it's, it's kind of like when you're on FIFA and you just go hell for leather, and then it's like you're playing this 16 year old region. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think 
So Arsenal got off to a very fast start again. Obviously. That result against PSV is not a bad one either, by the way, because no. he's building like an all right little team there, and, and we dealt actually, with them pretty comfortably. It looked it was our third one 0 win in a row, mm. but the control in that it's game is probably. I didn't see all of it, but the, I, thought, I thought they looked comfortable here, well, which I thought they gave some problems. Were at least. Saying that Gakpo was a bum after ninety minutes against <laughs> the team that's locked up. Well, I mean, I don't need to go into it again. <laughs> We, we started fast and it's been a thing right through Arteta's tenure that we don't kill teams off. And I've said it about Arsenal, I've said it about Chelsea, Tottenham. As soon as you let these teams feel like we can get something from here, when you get to that last 60 minutes, they start to think, okay, we could do something. We did that here. The, I guess the key difference is the Gabriel Jesus penalty that's not given Arsenal fans before have been critical of referees in time. There was one, the Brentford game last year, I think I came on here and there were Arsenal fans saying it was really bad and they were just the same decisions that you're going to get up and down in every game. Some of the decisions in this game yesterday were really strange. It's a shocker, isn't it? It's like Robert Jones and he refed the game. I don't know if any of you would have watched Arsenal Villa earlier in the season. There's the one where Mings just holds Saka and just basically throws him over in the box. That sounds like our Tyrone. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and nothing gets given. But it was, it was just weird yesterday. Jesus said he spoke to the referee after he went down and he said, I spoke with him straight afterwards and he said, if you go down before, maybe I can give a penalty. But I think I was fair. I tried to hold and keep standing and I tried to finish the action. But in the end, he grabbed me and it was impossible. But then if he goes down early, he's going to be told that he went down too easily. I thought he was being told he went down too early. I thought that was the issue. No, he says he's, if he'd gone down earlier, then he would have had the penalty. Right. But he, but he said, because he didn't, then... I thought the issue had been that he looked like he was going down before any like legs were tangled or whatever. Well, anyway. This so is, this is just the, what the Hayes rationale said. Behind. He said, if you go down before, maybe I can give a penalty. Okay. Weird. But just the whole thing with, uh, I think it was um, Chaletta Carr, who had his arms around him every time. And you're allowed some form of contact, but you can't have, as you said earlier, your arms interlocked and pulling a guy over. Gabriel got sent off for doing that to Gabriel Jesus last season mm-hmm. on the halfway line. And this was, I don't blame the defender, because if you get away with it once, then try it a second time. And if you get away with it a second time, do it a third time. Who was the one... I forget his name uh, for Southampton. It was just a psycho. It was day. him. Um, no, it was, uh, would it have been Lianco? Yes, that was yeah. it. I was watching this guy like, <laughs> has he got like some like, problem of Arsenal? Is he a Spurs fan? He was just mental. Well, he, he's a he's um, Brazilian with some Eastern European descent, which is... Uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a hell of a... that's as far as it gets. Yeah. But I, I just... Ben White was asked about it after the game and he's been getting some stick today for his um, press conference, but once again, asks shit questions and gets shit answers. He said to him about being bullied and he was like, I didn't think we were bullied. But they were trying to get an answer out of him in terms of what the defender was doing and he said, I'll be honest, we do that to other teams as well so we can't have too many complaints. Which the argument would be, if we get punished for that, then Hmm. you do it until you get punished. So I I thought it was strange that Robert Jones, I've not heard his name much so I don't think he gets many gigs but it was a weird performance the Saka one he booked him for diving where I wasn't screaming for a foul there also wasn't a dive so you know if you card someone bear in well, mind how often we see there's some an, questionable you know yeah, people slow there's three he's he's made contact with three times before he goes down it's just one of them where 
he hasn't hit him at any point blatant enough to chuck him over. But Saka didn't appeal when he went down, so I don't know. Yeah, at the very least, you probably said just get up. Yeah, that was that was it. And Saka, he's not quite Salah level, but he does seem to be one that you can get away with kicking quite oh, yeah, a yeah. bit because he has a reputation which is weird as an English player. Usually, you get a pass if you're an English player and you get yeah, attacks, don't you for sure? But yeah. I think maybe Gerard pointed it out last season and said. Well, I've got like screws on my hips now. What are you moaning about? As if that was. <laughs> I did think the Arteta thing was kind of a little bit in that sort of vein, but slightly friendlier language than Gerard used. Yeah, I... sounds like he's telling a lot of stuff and that. But again, I think it was a psychological thing. Yeah, Arteta seems to. He's seen maybe one TikTok where someone's put dramatic music behind something one he says, and now everything is like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it. This is going to sound great. Yeah, but the thing is, because it fired me up. What I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is the attitude we want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just can't. See past, let's fogging go, boys. Like, yeah. I just imagine that being because it is every team talk. We yeah. saw it in in the in the oh. prime documentary. It's just oh. let's fogging go. That's it. That's all he says. I mean, there must be some serious behind the scene work that we don't see because if that's all it takes to be a Premier League manager, sign me up. I, I can I swear at a bunch TK, of even players. when I didn't like him, and this still gets said to me. But you wanted him out at one point. Oh. Yeah, weird that. I'm happy when the team's doing well, but... <laughs> when he was 18th. Yeah. Um, but he did always have a way of his intensity Yeah, did yeah. get you going. I imagine if he's doing that, looking in your eyes yeah. and doing it, you, you probably do well, get... Well, I said, fired. even in your worst moments, he didn't have the scrutiny Emery did. And Emery didn't fall as low as Arteta did because Arteta's personality, I think, wins you around. So, I know he was having a figure. Yeah, there was a thing from three something about it years ago where we just lost to Southampton and he said, I'm the manager, I put my chest out and you smack me in the chest and that's how we do it, basically. <laughs> we don't hide away from it. We deserve to be getting these penalties, basically. Last thing on this. Um, so Arsenal, this is the second time they've dropped points this season. I did think there was an overreaction from some fans who were just can't wait to say Arsenal crumbling again and four points from Southampton and Leeds away I feel like if we'd got a point away at Leeds and we'd battered Southampton people probably wouldn't have said as much as if we, the fact we beat Leeds and drew with Southampton I do think you can get away with drop points like this in a top four race being as unclinical as we've been as you'll know not in a title race you can't just let let go of the ones like this. I mean, it's it's been eleven fixtures. It's tiring work looking out for Man City's results. I saw, I saw someone, an Arsenal fan, quote tweet his own tweet. I think he said that last week, and then both did it this week. He's like, How do Liverpool fans do this for so long? I did feel like tweeting him saying, "By the way, mate, it only gets worse. Yeah. It doesn't get better as this goes along. It gets worse." That's the thing as well with City is that they'll lure you into a false insecurity pre-Christmas because. A couple of seasons ago, they're like 12 points off the top, weren't they? And now they're not top. But then they go on this ridiculous run from New Year to the end of the season where they will not lose. They it's- even do this like uh, like low into false insecurity, like say hypothetically on the last game of the season, you had two goals down, <laughs> yeah. for example, making you think you might win. It's really nasty. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one to say now and this might age horribly. Hey, to why not? Me, yeah. They don't look as good as they did last season. They look to me like a team that can be got at away from home. Their record this season is looking ropey. Yeah. All the best teams are. I think. Yeah, I think <laughs> they've surrendered control, but like they surrendered control in favour of goals, which isn't a bad way to be. In fairness, so maybe we're clutching its draws. The interesting thing with 
Haaland is, is that obviously they didn't need him, but they got him, so it's nice. How quickly, once you do have him, do you end up needing him? Yeah, that's what that i You've gone quite Haaland-centric. If he gets injured, he's not even not bad injured, just out for a few weeks. Do you have a couple of games where you go, oh, hang on, this guy we keep hitting yeah. Yeah. isn't there. Now yeah. what do we do? It, How quickly do you go back to being the team that got 97 points out of last yeah, year? No yeah, It was hilarious watching Walcott yesterday, by the way. That's exactly, if I'm playing on Football Manager... And I've got someone that used to play for the team. I'm definitely bringing them on. And there was no other reason for it than that. <laughs> that Sam Yudozi looks good as well, doesn't he? I've seen him a couple of times coming mm. off yep. the bench now, and he looks um, he looks lively. La- that Lianco, a headbutt and extraordinary hand to the throat, and he got nothing. And yeah. he's the one I over think, nothing as well, really. By the way, I don't think this... this knocks you over. By the way, so he punched Jesus in the back twice. I just thought that was just a weird thing because he kind of did like a hammer fist. Yeah. <laughs> Which, no again, sense. doesn't knock you over. I, I get the point as you're trying to accentuate that it has happened, but they also didn't seem to... He was like... They were also doing the... Oh, well, it doesn't hurt you that much, so get on with it. So. Yeah, which probably isn't the point, is it? No. Um, oh, God. <laughs> last thing there. So Spurs, Newcastle, last thing for you, Jack, and then we'll get on to the UFC. don't know if you've... Uh, it's not like Rory, we're for, he's waiting for a spatchcock or something. No, I'm all good. Um, Spurs, chicken, you, just to clarify yeah, for everybody. Yeah. Just, <laughs> what, what's a spatchcock? What's, I've just been this? reflecting about my comments about the old people's home, to be fair. So, um, <laughs> we'll I thought something was playing on your mind, I could see. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it in, we'll leave it in. Um, maybe what the old people are saying. There we go. <laughs> Spurs, Newcastle. So Spurs had the chance to go level on points with City and two points behind Arsenal. Lively start from them is about as good as it gets. Sun got a few shots off. Kane wasn't touching the ball much, but was causing problems. Benton Kerr seemed to be winning possession back far faster and looking forward quicker. And then Lloris happened. <laughs> Jack will go to you as the goalkeeper's union there on this occasion. So, do you think it's a foul? Tough conflict for Jack this one. So, if an outfield player knocks it past another outfield player and that player blocks him off, that Chuck uses it's usually a foul. Do you think I'm very this happy season, it wasn't? I don't think they have this season. It tends to be if you move into their path, if you just stand still, it's just coming together. I can kind of get it. Luis was looking for it because that shouldn't have knocked him over. That goes against him. Like, yeah, if. If he knocks it past him and there's a bit of a tussle and then Lloris then fouls Callum Wilson, I think it's not even a card. I think it's just another foul, which is probably what he should have done because there, yeah. there, yeah, yeah. there was players covering and he should have just rugby tackled him and run backwards and that would have been that. It's just funny because it's Lloris. It always seems to happen to him. Like, why always me? Uh, but these things do seem to happen where it's just like, what, what's happened there? How, is, how has this come to fruition? So I think... I'm screaming it's a foul if it's a Chelsea Chelsea player. I can see why it wasn't given. You'd because, also hate your keeper though. Yeah, I would. I'd be... I've, having gone through what Mendy put me through towards the end of last season, I can kind of just see like, get on with it. You should have been stronger there. It's as simple as he's looking for goalkeeper privileges in no man's land. That's You what don't doing, get yeah. outside the area, you're not getting them calls. No. No, he was praying for it as well, wasn't yeah. he? Because he knew what was about well, to happen. Yeah, exactly. When you really slow it down... Wilson's looking at the ball, Larice is looking at Wilson, and he really stretches his body out to ensure that he doesn't get past him. And then I've been consistent. But Wilson does have nowhere else to go. No. Like he can't do anything about this. And I've been consistent in, consistent in this since we had Gwenduzi. I hate it when the players go down and you make a real point of staying down to prove the point that, yeah. Yeah. no, I was hit here, and Erdegaard does it for us. Mm. 
Yeah. And as a referee, I think it almost makes you say, fuck off, you're not adding yeah. the call. Yeah, that's... I mean, I think that of my own players, which is why I got my back up with Christensen so much, where he would stay down, especially that FA Cup final goal that Aubameyang <laughs> scored. He should be walking through broken glass to get yeah. back in an FA Cup yeah. final. And it's in like this. Lloris should be... He could actually have a broken foot. He should be crawling along the floor to try and stop the ball going in the net. And the fact that the ref played on, I liked that the ref played on because yeah. it should teach players that you can't just get knocked and just hope for the foul. They will play on. Well, when you go down and grab the ball and the ref gives handball, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. how often do the refs just get panicked into having to give yeah. the free kick? Because the other thing with that, by extension, Eric Dyer did the same thing as Reese where he's the guy going to cover him for him mm. and he's too busy flailing his arm yeah. out appealing where he should be getting back on the line. Because yeah. it's very quickly apparent yeah. well, Wilson's going to trip him. Yeah. So I'm just going to get back on the line and clear it and we can deal with appealing later. Yeah. The amount of times Liverpool players do it where they go, they like, have their hand up appealing. It's like, maybe think about appealing to the ref after you've cleared you the know, ball. That's the thing as well. Like, how many times when a ref's already made up his mind and you can see that he's not blowing for a foul and he's not... Yeah, he's not going to change. How many times do they actually <laughs> change their minds? Yeah. Like, yeah, why, yeah. why would they just... Like exactly what you said. It's a bit like Fabian Bartes all those years ago where he just threw his arm up. Yeah. But just save it first and ask <laughs> yeah. questions you later. Ask he's, been, he's been shot again since he got the England call-up, uh, Eric Dyer. But especially... He's well. returned to the mean, hasn't yeah. he? He's regressed to the mean. With, with VAR as well, there should be no need for appeal because if there is a mistake that's been made... They'll correct it. They'll correct it. <laughs> Rest assured. I just assumed they were going to rule it out well, as soon as they started looking at it. I'm glad they didn't. Again, it's, probably, it's, 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 it's blatant. He's just looking right at it. Yeah, it's probably one of those as well where they've, like you said, they've seen Larice down and thought, nah, <laughs> not this time. It is a, it's a nice finish as well from, yeah, yeah, it is from yeah, Callum Wilson. And mm. he, I saw a tweet yesterday that say he's one of them guys. You look at the Premier League all time scorers list in a number of years and you're just going to see him at 90. And go, when did he score those 90 <laughs> goals? Yeah. He looks really good. He looks like, um, not quite in playing in the same way, but I said about Mitrovic against Liverpool, actually. He just looks like a proper striker's performance in the way that he gets himself about. And he, when he has a chance at goal, looks like he's going to score it. Maybe I can believe those Chelsea rumours from like three seasons. Yeah, <laughs> 50 million. Yeah. Um, I, he is technically better than I thought as well. I thought he's quick and a good finisher, but a lot better on the ball than I thought he was. He's got better last 18 months or so, really. The clips of his podcast he does with Antonio are great, by the way. I don't know if you've seen many of them. Yeah, I've seen a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, he does seem like a good character as well. Him saying they need a second golden boot for everyone other than Haaland, just so they have someone to play for this season. (laughs) Seems fair. Um, Do you feel like a silver boot would make you feel really muggy? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a silver boot this year. It's taking part medal. Um, The second goal then. So, Almiron pinches a bouncing ball for Emerson. He drives at long lay and then sees Larice charging at him and he slides under him like he's a 40 goal a season striker. He Mind you, his face afterwards told you he wasn't. <laughs> he looked as surprised as the rest of I us. I think he always looks like he he's brilliant. Um, <laughs> what a guy. He just reminds me of Bugs Life for some reason. He, I, ever since I saw him compared to the kid that pushes Jane to the pool in the Inbetweeners movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He he plays every possession like he has a point to prove and he's just so he does. he's so direct to that greedy stuff I mean, personally and you would you yeah. would as well like that yeah, yeah, just yeah. because it's if you have beef like if I don't know if, if Romero said it about Granite Xhaka it's like okay I can see there's something here if Son said that centre-back's playing like Rob Holding <laughs> you're like I don't like it but I get 
The Almiron one is like, that's something you've spoken about before. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. an in-joke. Why is he the you. benchmark? Yeah. I think as well, like, he looks like that player that came from, what, was it, was it Atlanta in America? Yeah, that's Atlanta, yeah. Because he was tearing it up there and then he comes and feels a bit lost at Newcastle United, and I think. Well, he was a, it was 18 million at the time, which was big money for them. And yeah. I think as well, like, you look at his testaments there, the whole change of air around the club of everyone's just up their game. Everyone feels like they're playing in a football team instead of just playing out for a draw every game. Well, I don't know if my brother really did see the talent. If we did a Newcastle podcast in pre-season, he's still going about Almiron. Or if it's like a certain Fury fan that came on the podcast that locked into, uh, <laughs> you get on the Fury train now, it worked out and you look like a genius. But it, it clearly has. He's someone where you can be a neutral and he's just, that's how I want my winger to play football. Yeah. And, He's just a fun guy. You see him with a big smile on his face and he looks like it's the first time he's ever scored a goal. He scored a peach last week as well. So it's not... We do a FPL draft, which for those that don't know, it just saves everyone having Salah. And we were in like week eight and Almiron was still left as an unclaimed player because everyone's just assuming he's going to drop off Mm. at some point. I had Grealish and I... It was until... Week nine, I think, where I tried to swap Grealish for Almiron and someone else took Almiron. Like that, people still weren't convinced, but he's putting the numbers up. No other player this month scored more goal. Uh, the only player to score more than him is Haaland. That's mad. Wow. He looks, he looks great. And this is a guy wow. who's being benched for Jacob Murphy at one point. I mean, that's always a tough indictment. Yeah. If bench Jacob Murphy, regardless. Yeah, it's, you've got to be happy for him as well because he was a workaholic type of player who just kind of wasn't quite coming off for. And when it does start coming off for those sort of players, you do feel uh, pretty chuffed for well, Can you imagine? And your brother he... would probably say he's probably not playing much different how he was, but he's just improved his end product. Can so. you imagine how he felt with that as well? Because he's not even like um, like a bantery player. Like if, yeah, if, he's, if yeah. someone randomly said about Antonio, he kind of like he, he dishes out, he kind of has that demeanour about him. Mm-hmm. It feels very much just like pick on someone your own size with Grealish doing that to yeah. Almiron just yeah. with the like, 100 million player and then this guy who has been struggling since he signed there was talk of him leaving I think I've missed yeah, it yeah. what's happened so during the parade um, where City was celebrating Grealish is on the top of the bus and he's slagging off Bernardo Silva I believe or Mares. Mares. he yeah, says Mares. I was telling Pep you need to get Mares off he's playing like Almiron Shut up! No yeah, way! Genuinely, where have you been, Jack? This is, that I, was a big thing. If you I've said, heard everything other than the Almiron part of yeah. that story. So you'd have so seen even every Almiron's had some success over the last. You get some pictures of Grealish, and he now has more goals this season than Grealish has in two years at Man City. Jeez, that's rough. And wow. so the, the whole thing, like, it just feels like easy target to pick out there, yeah. and it's it's gone perfectly for Almiron. I saw someone say this show's bullying works, which is another view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. But then even when you look... Sorry. For the goal as well, I thought the reach was bad for this one as well, only because to get on his left foot, Almiron's basically gone around the half the stadium yeah. to come around the ball. Yeah. And we all know what you're going to do because yeah. there's only so much you can do when you come around the ball to put on your left foot like that. And the reach still opened out. And I was told that Longley was going to be reborn in a back three under Conte mm-hmm. and find his severe form. That no. that technique that just going back to what you were saying, TK. That technique, as a keeper, you are literally taught 
to run out and close the angle as they're taking a touch with their foot to stop them from getting on their mm. on their strong foot. So if Luis comes out earlier, he's taking such a heavy touch because, like you said, he's had to bend right round to get the angle to shoot with his. Yeah, leg. Then just like slightly come yeah. around the ball. He's had to go all the way around. Yeah, exactly. If Luis is, is already out, that's going out for a, a goal kick because he's. I think you at least make him. him lift it over you. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. You if can't you go dive like below there, you're covering the near post yeah. and you're with stretching out, you should be covering the far post. And if they lift it, fair play. Yeah. Almiron, to tuck that under you there, it's one shows just he couldn't really do much else with the touch that he had taken. Mm. And two, it's just a horrible look from the Spurs defenders that he can nick it from a Royale about a third of the way into their yeah. half and they can drive and it shows the confidence that he's prepared to do that as well. He did drift out past him easily as well, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And for all... I mean, if I see one more Spurs fan saying, well, we look good the first 30 minutes, what the, yeah. What does that even mean? <laughs> and maybe if Sun didn't decide to try and chip it over a seven-foot-tall goalkeeper <laughs> and put more on it than the tiniest little bit, like you're trying to pot the black, he's like, what the hell are you doing? Bad finish, that, wasn't it? Yeah, that early on as well. And even at 2-1, Spurs never really threatened. No. They they had no. Newcastle had a half asleep Bruno, a half crocked Joey Linton, a, a rabid Longstaff in the midfield, and they out hustled Tottenham, they outpowered Tottenham, and if we quote Allardyce, they out tactic them. <laughs> Br- Bruno, he can't take it, can he? He out tactic them. Bruno looks the biggest miss. Oh, he would yeah, be, he would have been so perfect for us. It the way he just glides across a pitch is insane. He's he's a proper. In the way that Gerard gets the praise, he's he's a true do it all midfielder. And I mean, he, we basically have all missed that. Yeah, because all of our clubs, yeah, could have done with and that. It, Tottenham and Man United as well. They we, could have without this buyout, he'd have been ripe for the picking for choose the highest bidder essentially. Yeah. Whereas now you're not going anywhere. Well, no, because no, Newcastle are no longer a stepping stone club no. either. Like he and he'll be seen as the cornerstone on which it's in, probably built. He's, in the back, be... he's the Stephen Ireland of this Man City team. What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Joel Linton was a busted striker. Uh, Longstaff was being shoved to Everton and Rafa for about four million, and th- they did this against twenty-five million Benton Kerr, twenty-five million Bissouma, and the best talent to emerge from Tottenham's academy since Kane in Oliver Skip. What stuff? Well, well, that's what they say. What are they that's doing what they've been saying about Skip. <laughs> In the same way as like John Flanagan was our best since Gerard. <laughs> there's, there's a there's a bug in the FM twenty three beta where Oliver Skip goes to Real Madrid for fifty two million on every save <laughs> at the start of this game. It's like some program. He's got a family member that works there. Yeah. <laughs> like trust me, like to get my name up there. But you would have seen this tweet. I imagine Newcastle's back five yesterday cost five million less than Maguire. Their midfield yesterday oh. cost six million less than Casemiro, and their front three cost five million less than Anthony. Like this is how you build a side. Mm. Conte's doing his usual thing where if he was a kid at school the teacher would tell him stand up straight stop mumbling and stop feeling sorry for yourself he's saying he's saying his squad isn't deep enough he's cursing his injuries as if Newcastle weren't missing St Maximin and Isaac and he's saying he needs a process as if he wasn't brought in to win right now they didn't buy him to do a process he's not going to be there for it he he is unbearable. They've sp- <laughs> they spent more than everyone other than United and Chelsea in this window, and he's talking like they've been penny pinching. They're pathetic to watch. They don't appear to be getting any better. And I said this in and amongst a lot of other things in the North London Derby podcast. Everyone kept saying Spurs are winning and they're not playing well. And I said, what if this is their level? 
and this is just the way that they play, and they aren't showing to be any different. I was speaking to Sean, and I said, you know, sometimes Andrade is a great example as a boxer. He would sometimes come out in the first round, and he'd swing, and he'd attack like you'd never seen him attack before. And the second the guy doesn't go down, it's like, shit, he's not going down here. And you just revert to type. Yeah. And suddenly it's like, you just do what you can to get through. And I would say, if you had like a dial, and on the one end it's worried about conceding, and on the other end it's worried about scoring, most of your top teams are probably, you want them a third of the way towards worried about scoring. Whereas Spurs are so far the other way, where everything is just about nicking a game. And we had this criticism when Arteta first came in. At this level, you're only going to get so far trying to nick games. Because I think in this league, maybe you could have done it years ago. The quality is too much now where you you can't just play a kind of not get out of first gear game against anyone. Well, as you said earlier, against anyone. Unless you're you're City, I think you need at least two big chances to even think about scoring. Yeah, yeah, they're highlighting like one chance. Son, that hat trick against Leicester saved him some serious conversations because he's been shy. And Kane, if you're going to be the you need to shoulder some of the responsibility at some stage and get yourself in and amongst it. Because you're getting goals, but you need to be doing more. You need to be getting everyone, you need to tell everyone they're doing the right thing. And Lloris is the captain, but there's only so much you can do from in goal. And he's hardly setting an example either. Yeah, the... uh... The thing, the thing is as well, and I, I have to say about Conte because I said it about Jose. I said we see here if you say someone's a pragmatic manager, we basically say you're boring, yeah. defensive. But pragmatism is getting the best out of what you've got, and the best of what they've got is Kane and Son, their attacking players. Mm. You can't rely on a defensive system when you've got Davinson Sanchez, who was a horrible weekend, and Eric Dyer. They're just that's too big a flaw. Mm. Like the great defensive teams we've seen from here, like Chelsea, some of the best ones. Have from midfield and defence, like world class players in those positions. Like Spurs don't have that, so you've got to go with what your strength is and go more attacking. That isn't saying go all out attack guns blazing because we know Conte doesn't do that. Mm. But the other interesting thing about his style of play is it seems to get more extreme as it goes. So you go from we're a bit conservative, but we're still attacking to we defend more and more and more, and we see possession more and more frequently. And so I don't know whether it's he's telling them to do that or whether the players just kind of get more and more ingrained and almost lose a bit of faith in themselves keeping yeah. the hold of the ball and attacking because they start going, right, we're just going to sit in. Yeah. And it kind of ends up... It's mental doing that when you've got shit defenders as well. Like if, if this was yeah. The, yeah. the tail of the three little pigs, they're retreating to the house that is going to be blown down. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's insane. Like, how do you set up defensively when you've got Eric Dyer, Longley and Davinson Sanchez yeah. in a back three? Yeah. And then you look to the wings and it's... Romero and Matt Doherty. <laughs> this is the worst back five I've ever seen. You, you were a big Matt Doherty stan. You were once upon a time. He was an Arsenal fan, wasn't he? Uh, he looked good at Wolves. Uh, Wolves. He, he was the he was the hallmark behind um, Trent for attacking numbers and skin fades. <laughs> and skin. What? Always look sharp if nothing yeah, else. McTominay getting uh, his hair tapered only to come on and give away that penalty. By the way, it's tough. It's I tough. think. Looking at Conte and the way he likes to play and the way he played with Chelsea was in his first season we were defensive but as soon as we got the ball we broke and we did something with it mm. and I know that people will say oh well you had Costa and Hazard up front I mean Son and Kane that's not no, it's, not, it's, it's not worth yeah. if not if not a bit better maybe mm. 
like for goals that'll put usually. So that's what you should be looking to do again. But when they get the ball, they look like they've never passed the football before. <laughs> like they got completely outmaneuvered by Newcastle who are playing it around them as if they weren't even there. And you just think- that midfield is scary, by the way, for anyone else that has to, if you're having an off yeah, day, yeah, yeah. them free running at you is... Yeah, we've got them in a couple of weeks away, which we always do. St. James you is always... You have a good game with them is, as well. ...is always a bogey ground for us. It's... Um, I, I don't know what you... I don't know what he can do because the signings he made are entirely for that system. Bissouma's not shown up. Perisic oh. hasn't shown up. It's... It's one of the worst windows I've seen for that level of money being spent. Mm-hmm. Everyone was kind of lauding that Basuma, that Basuma transfer is one of the coups of the season. I would still say that has time. Yeah. And so, what was it? Twenty-five million was he? When you compare yeah. it, to, so, when you compare it to Perisic, it yeah. For, but then, for example, the the Richarlison one said in the summer for that sum of money Still I want that to be solving out. a problem yeah. and I don't know what problem it solved no. and it's that's kind of been one of the ones that's played out well in terms of you want to say it wasn't even a prediction that's what I thought because it's like he hasn't he, we he's don't got, really know where a goal. Yeah, we don't really know where he yeah. fits and one of their problems which we thought at the time was you probably want a bit more creativity from midfield instead of spending the money on that and there was just a yeah I know but he's a good player and he's like that's well, not really you need a, the right fit and I want a bit more than a good player for sixty million pounds. Well, that's the thing. The way that what made this Conte system work when he was at Chelsea was that you have Matic, you'd rotate between Matic and Conte, or no, you'd have Matic and Conte in there, and then Seskin, and then you put Seskin and just sprinkle a bit of Seskin to unlock defenses when it's sixty minutes plus, and that was just rinse and repeat, a used tactic for the whole season that worked really well. Whereas if you're Tottenham. I don't know who that player is coming on to oh, unlock defences. Oh, Oliver Skip. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's a problem. And they also, they look, if I say about Liverpool, they look lethargic as well. When you watch Spurs, they look leggy far too often. I don't know no. mid-season how you change that. No. Well, we were told because Kane had lost a bit of weight in the summer. It was looking scary for everyone else. Romero, on that uh, if we've given plenty of players, including our own, uh, um, for being injury-prone, and more games missed for Romero. I'm convinced this reputation that he's built as being one of the best in the league is in games when they've not been on TV and people have just looked at the fact they've won. Because I do not see it with this guy. And their record is better when he doesn't play than when he plays. And in terms of his injury record, Sean told me today, ben, um, Romero and Kuliszewski have only ever started one game together. Blimey. Wow. Jeez. And... The amount of pressure that's been put on Kuliszewski now, because I'm told that the reason they aren't creating anything is because Kuliszewski's out. This kid better come back in and start yeah. balling. Because <laughs> It'll make a difference for sure. It will, will make but a difference. it's like we're all missing players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And Newcastle, there was some chat yesterday. Any chance they got top four? That's what, Newcastle? Yeah. I mean, there's a chance. They've played City... Spurs. None of us had him in the top six, I don't believe, I in pre-season. But they played City, Spurs, Liverpool away. Have they played United? The only game they've lost is in the 98th minute against Liverpool. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like that's... That's what that happened. Yeah. You've, the, uh... you've stopped two teams being <laughs> <when> invincible. <laughs> We're stopping those state-run clubs, lads. With the moral arbiters of the league. Tonight, yeah. <laughs> can't do anything else, but we can stop that. <laughs> well, I guess the thing is, if... 
I would say no, but if they have a sniff of it, do they investigate in January? And then we might be having a different conversation. Yeah. If it's if it's close to this squad, I don't think so. Because bear in mind, Isaac's picked up an injury, obviously. Callum Wilson won't stay fit. Oh. And you'll have just the odd little ones here and there. And at some point, one of these teams will hit a run as well. If this is Newcastle's good patch, one of the teams of Chelsea, Spurs, Liverpool, United, between them, it's really, will fill out the top four, assuming, I'd say, City's top and Arsenal's second, in my mind. It's really strange, because I can't remember the last time that we had one of these runs. It's just been... We've been driving in a car, it's been sputtering and grinding gears, <laughs> for what it seems like the last two years since we won the Champions League. Like, we'll win a few, we'll lose a few, mm. we'll draw loads... And it'll just be this up and down. It's crazy. And anytime Newcastle win a big game, I get a message. Interesting to see what Jack's going to say on the podcast. <laughs> he, I'm literally in his head. It's so... <laughs> for something... There was a comment, what, three years ago? Four We're years around ago? Around that, yeah. You know, it's, always nice. it's always nice seeing uh, Spurs losing. Like this, I thought the most worrying thing, as we said, is the fact that they never really looked like... I mean, it was a contentious mm. goal from Kane. I did think it'd be wrong if they ruled that out, mm. but... The fact that it took those kind of margins to even get back in the game. And I don't know what you make of Conte's comments after this game and after the United game, in that he seems to almost just hide away from the problem. And I don't know if it's smart, but he's just basically saying, well, look, we shouldn't really be in that conversation. We're still a long way away. Uh, indeed, the moment. I hate him this, so uh, much. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it's pretty classic manager's talk and pretty classic Spurs manager talk. It's, it's we're a big club until we have big club expectations and we're not in those conversations. Yeah. It's, it's, I, a, it's a hell of a gig because yeah. you can kind of work it both ways if you want. Yeah. If I asked you to put money down now, do you think he's Tottenham manager next season? No. If you ask me to put money down, no. I think next he, season? I, I reckon... Well, his contract expires at the end of this season. I, oh, does it? Yeah. Then maybe. I think he does a push to get a big... Um, Sacking clause. Well, he's refusing to sign an, uh, a long-term deal. Oh the, the max he'll do is Screams two commitment. years. Yeah. <laughs> the max he'll do is two years. But I think Spurs fans are taking it as, you know, he's he's driving it on, he's putting pressure on the owners. There I, aren't many teams that can consistently spend £150 million a window. Like I, I, I saw a lot of Spurs fans doing the difference between Arteta and Conte. Well, Arteta spent £300 million. There's an eight million pound different into difference in terms of money spent since Arteta has come into the club. They aren't penny pinching. No, but I guess their their contention will be well if we give him the same amount of time and that spend carries on, Conte will produce results. Whether you believe that, Conte's is on a different Conte's matter. on nearly fifteen million a season. I mean, but what the manager's being paid isn't going to determine this team. No, is it? so I. They didn't sign him, though, did they? they didn't sign Conte for a long-term project, no, or you wouldn't have been signing Perisic. Over the next year or two isn't long-term, is it? It's still short-term. Yeah, the, I think Spurs fans, with their view on him with the deal, are whistling through the graveyard because they're just convincing themselves he won't... I think it's entirely on the table that this guy can leave at any point. That's Alex, what you yeah. sign up to. <laughs> But I don't think it's as inevitable as some people like you think. I think no, I actually, as I think soon as you sort of like their eyelashes or something like that, he'll go. I'm thinking now he'll be there next I week. think he will stay, but out of cynical, where else can I go at this point? Yeah, I don't yeah, think he's going to fancy the job at Juve just at this point. They're not in a good spot. And I don't think there's going to be many takers. His reputation about style of play is probably only going to get worse while he's at Spurs. So you're going to have 
at Spurs, you've got a fan base that go, well, look, this guy's got a proven track record. We'll ride with him if we find out we can, until we know we can't win. We if it was as a chance, I, we'll do it. I, I am kind of relishing in the potential of Jose and Conte both being at Spurs and not winning anything. We gave United some stick for not wanting Conte, by the way. I still think they deserve that. Because the whole... He would have disrupted things at the club. It's not even necessarily... A, they weren't just talking about on the pitch with him. Okay. About yeah. the kind of... He would have disrupted. It's like, well, that club probably needs disrupting. Yeah. I, I knew his style of play wasn't the easiest on the eye. I didn't know it was this bad. In fairness, that, that's the other thing. Like, is it? Like, is it? Is this his design? Th- this didn't... Or is the team letting him down what he wants to do well, that's it's... the thing if you look back at his Chelsea team if you look back at his Inter team but he's got to recognise he doesn't have those teams now, no doesn't he? of course the thing. and it's not as easy as well, look at what Eddie Howe's getting out of his players and look at what Conte's getting out of his players no, look at what Eddie Howe has got, got out of Joe Linton is a prime example yeah, yeah. yeah. agreed um, is anyone would any of you say that Newcastle don't get in the top six because it's a tough top six this is it yeah it all depends on what Liverpool and yeah. Spurs end up doing. I, I think, think when we did the one with Harry, we were saying low top 10. Like, well, I don't even think... I think if we had them, it was just about... We said they'd be a good season if they got in the Conference League places. Yeah, I got a feeling I said if they do eighth, they've done well. Because I thought West Ham would have a good year as well. well so a, I thought they would be... I thought it would be a top seven that I thought was fairly well established. There's always kind of a star that kind of breaks through at the World Cup and the tournaments, isn't there? And like how we got our Shavian after the, the Euros. <laughs> I think Newcastle may in January get the kind of breakout. You just hope it's more of an Arshavin than a Yerry Mina. Yeah, or, or an Al Hajjouf. Crikey. Who would do that? In the time while we've been recording this podcast, it has been confirmed that the original disgusting man himself, Unai Emery, has taken over at Aston Villa. Seven million a season they're giving him. If you wondered uh, why, perhaps he's taking the jump. TK, initial thoughts. Good evening. <laughs> what a man! He's back. It feels, I'll be honest, it feels like a risk on their part. Bearing in mind how it, uh, how it obviously ended at Arsenal, gone back to Spain and rebuilt, done decent at Villarreal. Although I do know there's a feeling that he probably should have done a bit better in the league with them. Uh, really I said about his time at Arsenal that I felt probably failed with the language barrier he's going to have to work on his English basically imagine him understanding, understanding Brummy. <laughs> yeah trying to understand John McGinn is it quite as simple I suppose yeah Tierney was one of the guys he bought <clears throat> is it too simplistic to say Villa are closer to the size of club in which he's had his most success yeah, yeah, yeah. Might, might be a fair point, and they do have cash as well. Yeah, exactly. We know they've got cash. He's a great talent identifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll, they'll feel this is rock bottom. They might be wrong, but <laughs> so he can only lift them. Uh, don't know if he's gonna. You could tell me better with how the players view him. I don't know if he's gonna give them that lift that oh we love this new guy. But it's, every manager tends to get a new manager bounce. So if he can ride that out for a little bit, I just wonder if he's going to be able to really tends, harness that. He tends to have that in Spain. So yeah, you, you yeah. read what players say about him and I'll say outside of Arsenal and PSG, that's quite a significant 
stunt. But it appears at, he's at, kind of his own thing. Yeah, isn't at it, these so. at these other clubs, if you listen to someone like say Juan uh, Foyt, or you listen to Coquelin, two players who've played Premier League football, two players that have played under high-profile managers, played under him. They sell him as someone that you would run through walls for. Hmm. Um, I do think there was at times when he tried to cut quite a sympathetic figure at Arsenal, which wasn't really the way to go about it. I think when you see him on the touchline where for about 45 minutes, like Villarreal, we're going to do the unthinkable against you in the Champions League last year. Should have just went down my spine. <laughs> you could see there with him piling you forwards while you would get behind him. Yeah. And then he took off his striker for Francis Coquelin. <laughs> and it was like, well, this is, this is why you're a disgusting man. <laughs> <laughs> the language thing is... Because I don't think it was necessarily his actual speaking of English. Like, the speaking the language yeah. wasn't his issue. No. It was the pronunciation. And in the nicest way possible, Harry Kane can speak perfect Spanish. It's still going to sound like Harry yeah. Kane speaking it. And Unai Emery, a lot of it is just the way he says things. But there's a, but there's a thing, and as English speakers, we probably don't, appreciate it as much because we get by with English and, and wing it but there's a thing where you can theoretically understand the language but you don't really in terms of how you convey it and things like that which in most walks of life you're going to get away with but as a manager of a football team it's a totally different thing and I just felt that was it with Arteta um, with um, with Emery if you contrast it to Arteta for example is that that I, I don't know just that ability to really like, get across what you're, the point you're making I think must in your coaching come across as well. I think getting players to buy into you, it must be more difficult. Well, part of it was just the way um, he kind of enunciated things was... I mean, he like kind he of got really, laughed at the press, which is unfair. It is. and But I mean, as a sort of training round thing, yeah. I think you've got a group of players who you have to prove yourself to every day because they're always basically questioning you, I think, players. So with... Some of the training around clips with us were horrible. Mm. And it, there was one where we were in a real slump and Arsenal put it out. And I think we've seen with Arteta that the managers actually have more of a say as to what goes on social media than perhaps what we think because a lot of it is, does. is dictating, I guess, how they're viewed. And there was, a, there was a thing with him where we had this... It was basically just him punting balls into the box and screaming at people... <laughs> And then he was running up and down the touchline, like waving his <laughs> arms about. And the whole thing was basically, I have passion. And the the game I've probably mentioned on here more than any, that one North London derby where Torreira scores, seeing him on the touchline, if I was unsold before at that point, it was like, I would sell my soul for you in this moment. Because... <laughs> Just the, I mean, we see it with Conte. The running coming down the touchline thing is a mm. weird thing. It's just it just gets people like fired up because yeah, yeah, we yeah, shouldn't yeah. really see you like that. Yeah. And anyone that looks like they've played ninety minutes on the touchline, we we gravitate towards. Yeah, true. But I do wonder. He had a big thing with us 
that was chop and change and he never really got things sorted. And I don't know how much time they're going to give it in Villa. I thought it was quite interesting the way it's been announced on uh, the various channels like Fabrizio Romano and in the papers. It's a, they've signed Unai Emery as part of a long-term project. Right. Now, you can come out and say that. It doesn't always go that way. No. But the fact they gave Gerard as long as they did, that should perhaps go in his favour. He has a greater track record than Gerard does, which would go in his favour. And I think as far as we're aware, it looked different this weekend, but I don't I don't remember any great stories that the players had turned on Gerard. There was things, might have this weekend. Yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. I mean. There was quite publicly with us. And I, it did make me uncomfortable at the time, as much as I didn't like the bloke. The stuff with players openly mocking him to his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't like that at all. No. And I look at certain characters in that villa dressing room and I can see them doing the same. Mm, yeah. And you know my thoughts on John McGinn. I'm not putting that <laughs> past him. I was just having a look at their squad just to see if they had a, like a real Spanish contingent that I could see. I don't think they have one Spanish player. I don't know how many languages he speaks because they've got a little South American contingent. Yeah, he's just going to go for Buendia. <laughs> I'm just going to try and Google what languages does Unai Emery he was able to speak to Torreira but I don't know (laughs) yeah he's a Spanish speaker isn't he no it's not it's not even that it's just probably as well because of the size of Arsenal as a club and you're following Arsene Wenger you've got to prove yourself and I think if you don't have that grasp of the English to be able to manipulate the press in that way it then conveys to the dressing room as well and you can't get the players on board and it just becomes a never-ending cycle where the media's questioning you then the players are questioning you and it goes back and so and no one was really respecting him at the time which is unfair no. but so I, you need to break that cycle when you come in the villa because you otherwise yeah, you're the same again just a quick google there he one of his issues at PSG was that he couldn't speak French right but in similar fashion he did try to learn the language mm. now I remember when he left Arsenal he was asked in an interview shortly after if he was going to continue learning English mm. and he said yes because he would like to return to the Premier League at some point so even if it's just his confidence and I do that's give it credit, half of it is that yeah because he could have he could have done a potch when he came in and I don't know if you could get away with that at Arsenal but we've seen managers do it and they just have a translator for so long and he could have easy, easily backed back into that when he could see how things were going I think they'll get behind him because I think he's such a polar opposite of Gerard. in that Gerard, what I mean what's the highlight of Gerard's time at Villa that him walking down the touchline at Old Trafford <laughs> yeah yeah I don't think Emery will do that, but I was just trying to see if he spoke Italian, if he's he speaks Spanish and Basque is basically what yeah, I can he's see. A, he's an accomplished manager, isn't he? That's kind of why I haven't meant to hijack the segment in terms of how well does he speak English, but that's kind of when you look at where it went wrong at Arsenal, it's like why did it? There was a few factors, but I do think as a manager of him coming back to England, that's one of the bigger ones because as a manager of Seville and Villarreal you look at it and you go, if you didn't know anything about this guy, come here and you say, that's a really good appointment from Villa. So you're going to go, what well, went wrong some... last time then? And I think that was probably one of the bigger issues. Well, that was what's kind of sold 
sold me on him, there was only I could only go up after because the names we were linked with. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I was so sold on these Barcelona managers that we were being linked with <laughs> and, and so on that you looked at his accomplishments and it was like, okay, for the where the position we're in, this is a guy that has shown he can build a squad up. And do you think he'll get any more favour from the pundits? Because so much was made about how unfair it was with how we treated him. Yeah. Do you think so many have maybe had to, they're going to have to back him now because, or do they not even remember what they said a week ago? Yeah. I mean, that might be the answer. Mine. Yeah. I think hopefully he can just get treated on his merits in terms of that sort of side of things doesn't really get spoken about. And look, if he's a, good Villa manager we can talk about that if he's a disastrous one you can treat him like you would anyone else hopefully it's just yeah you were right about the even the players ended up being just a bit disrespectful about him yeah. you think like even if he's a bit shit you could just say right just get sacked it's not a does it hurt him with the pundits that he's following on from one of their mates potentially but like Ten Hag was already treated more harshly than Ollie was yeah that's a good point that's a good yeah. point if Tuchel had won the Champions League, he would have been on, on to take over from Frank. I can imagine that I think Carragher will be quite complimentary of him. And yeah, I can yeah. see Gary Neville doing, you know, he was with Xhaka, where he's like, and he wants to have a look at himself, by the way, because he had this terrible record here and he did this. I can see him being divisive. I think we'll hear some praise that it's another character added to this league. But I think if you're in Emery, that's the last thing you want to come across as. Yeah, yeah. You want to come in business, and he needs a good start. I think a lot is going to be pushed off Isuna Emery out to prove a point to Arsenal. Mm. And I think you're going to hear a lot of, if perhaps we drop a few points, it's going to be, well, they were wrong to sack him if they'd given yeah, this guy the same amount of time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much is just going to determine their their ran horribly he's been stuck with some big personalities there because Coutinho isn't necessarily someone that, as far as we know, is going to stand on the top table and shout everyone down. Nope, but that's nope. someone that automatically, if you come in and he's on the bench, well, you got this guy there on big money in Coutinho, surely he should be playing. He needs to lean in and he needs to get, he needs to look at his um, Douglas Louise, Wendia, because people asked why Villa was suddenly so different. I think it was the first time that he'd started Ings, Watkins, Buendia, Bailey all together. Yeah. So it seems fairly easy to me to see which way you go about it. He stuck with Mings for a certain amount of time, and I do think it's in his best interest to have Mings on side, maybe even make him captain again. Um. Mm. It's it's a tough one. I think with him, it's always going to go so well until it doesn't. And I think that's probably how he was going to. Yeah. He was right on the verge of being sacked by Villarreal, wasn't he? Before Newcastle came in, and then effectively turned them down and bought himself more time. And yeah. we said that he was kind of going to be looking for the next opportunity. Now there was obviously something in it that stopped him going to Newcastle. So maybe he wasn't confident enough in his English then. I don't know why you turned down Newcastle and go to Villa. There must have been something in there because, yeah, because it's, it's an odd one. Whether he thought he could do something with Villarreal that year, but it, it seems unlikely. Um, but 
I, I think they'll go on a, a fair run because if there's one thing he is, it's adaptable. And that was the big thing on our initial run was that he's so, and again, it may go against him, he would have almost an equal amount of time in the film room as he would in the uh, on the pitch. And he was so, this is what, Burnley are going to do this weekend and we're going to play to beat Burnley and that works so much better for Villa than it does for Arsenal and that's not even a we're the big boys and you're the little boys no but what you need is I don't know who the next big team they face is if you're lucky it's Chelsea or Tottenham because (laughs) they let you do that you can have the opportunity there and if you can show them something Arteta, there was a couple of examples of it in the documentary. If you can show them something like, we need to do this very specific thing in midfield and that's going to counter what they do. And you can drive that in the film room all week. And then it gets to the Sunday. That works. You get people you've on got, side. You've got the trust there. In, yeah. And they're prepared to sit and do the film. You are never going to get Mbappe to sit and watch six no. hours of film a week. No, Exactly. And so I think if they let him build the team as he wants, I think his identification of talent is very interesting. Mm. It's just when he goes for someone like Foyt or Coquelin, who when we saw them sign in for Villarreal, it's like, what the hell? Mm. They need to give him those players. And we've seen other managers do it, that you need to take a um, profile over personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if he knows how he wants to play, let him do what he wants to do. But... I guess we'll find out. I don't know who they're who they've got this weekend. It's not us, I know that much. I think they've got Newcastle. Ooh. I think they've got United coming up looking at that, from what I just seen. Yeah, Newcastle away. So first home game is a Sunday two o'clock against United. Oh nice. And then they've got United away in the cup. They've got you on boxing day. So get him in now. A lot of those Villa players won't be going to the World Cup. He gets a good amount of time in there with them mm. to really stamp and make his uh, mark. And then we see how it goes. But we'll look at what happens this uh, Look at what happens this weekend. Inai Emery we, News always breaks on the pot. It's just the way it goes. If we get into UFC 280 then, now we won't go through the whole card just like we didn't go through the whole card last week. If I ask you... From the jump, did you think it was a good card? Yes, but probably not quite as good as we made before. No, because I saw someone get inflamed on Twitter and they basically said, I didn't think it was a very good card other than Makachev's performance, O'Malley against Jan, Dariush, and they it felt like they'd listed off half the card, but I read it like... I kind of know what you mean yeah, at the yeah. same time. Yeah. I think I think we didn't have too many barn burners, which didn't help. And then I do think the uh I guess as impressive as Microsoft was the dominance of it, but I probably Dillashaw Sterling probably is probably what killed them in terms of remembering it as a great card. But I'm sure we'll come on to that. Yeah, I think we had four finishes in about twelve fights. Yeah, so it's you know. And I mean if we start with 
Makayev, not much to say on that. When you talk as much as he does, then you have to start backing it up. But he does get a finish, which saves a lot of awkward conversations. Krilov Uzdemir was more fun than we anticipated it being. One of the most fun fights in the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Uzdemir, I, I said that he seems to have found some level of dog yep. in the last couple of fights. It is like he just said, fuck it, I'll swing then. Yeah, because this whole thing was basically, and I don't know if it was the other guys in the division or what, when he first kind of made his mark in the USC, he was just icing fools, like just mm. nobody could mm. touch him. Um, yeah, he comes in with a split decision against OSP, then he ices Sirkinov and Manua, and then goes straight into a title fight with DC. Doesn't win again then uh, for another 18 months. <laughs> oh, God. When he knocks out Latifi, but then he sneaks past Rakic, and then he's kind of done. He's lost two, one, one, and then he's just lost again to Krilov. And Krilov is in a similar boat to a guy who's immensely talented, but can't ever put a run together. Hmm. He came out early in, in the same way I said that Andrade, a massive dangerous comparison, but I said earlier, he kind of settles in like, okay, this isn't going to happen. He didn't do that. No, no. And he very much was like, I'm taking this guy out in the first round or I'm going out swinging and fair play. Um, that's going to keep him in the UFC if you if you do lose because that light heavyweight division's thin. Yeah. yeah. And Dana is quite good like that in that if you're going to come out and put on fights like that, he recognises the, the need for guys. You've like, got a role in the division. Just hearing him yeah. speak about he never usually criticises, does he? And he said, no, we fucked up in letting Shane Burgos go. Because yeah, yeah. you need guys like this. And yeah. they're never going to pay a guy like that over their worth. No. But he would usually give some kind of sweetener. And so we had that. And then we went into... Uh, Bohalio against uh, Muradov. Ends up being wild on the cards. Maybe not as wide as it looks, but never too dramatic Bilal against Sean Brady mm. in a long list of ways you would have picked that fight to go I don't think anyone had Bilal winning by stoppage or if it would have maybe been him grinding him out wrestling and then yeah. being tired in the third round very good performance it, yeah he, more than he smashed him he he overwhelmed him yeah 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 and there's a there's a quite a common thing you hear, isn't there? Is um, you can be the hammer, but how good are you at being the nail? And some yeah. guys never have to be the nail. No, but you at least have it threatened of you. And this looked like Sean Sean Brady could not fathom the fact that he was the nail in this situation. No, not at all. And I think we we summed it up on last Monday as it was essentially going to be whichever guy could impose their will on the other. And in that kind of fight, I will say, it isn't usually back and forth. It's not usually they're exchanging takedowns and one guy controls the first round on the top and the other guy. But for it to be on the feet like that, for one, Bilal must have more pop than we know. Yeah, he looked like he did. And I think it was just the pressure in the footwork. Yeah. I'm not going to put that all down to he's been training with Khabib and suddenly he's a monster. But he spoke about an added urgency. You definitely got that. We, yeah, we're, we're going to speak about 
Aljamain Sterling later, but there's something that Bilal's done before where if you talk, if you talk like Chuck Liddell and then yeah, yeah, yeah. you fight like Tisha Torres, yeah, maybe yeah. that's harsh on the tiny tornado, but huh. it actually rubs fans up the wrong way and you can be okay in terms of how exciting your fights are and we're not going to give you the credit for it. And Bilal's had that. He definitely has, yeah. In yeah. The, we know it's mixed martial arts, but people say it's, you're not appreciating the sport. A lot of people don't want to see someone with no power jabbing their way to a victory and they aren't going to tune in on pay-per-view. No, no. And it's the same as you wrestling with no threat of a finish. Yeah. This looked like he was constantly looking for the finish in the moment where he did hurt him. He never let his foot up off the gas. And he's now makes it more appealing for someone else to come and fight him. And ultimately, you need to get yourself in the position to face one of Colby or Hamzat, Colby, Hamzat or Gilbert yeah. to try and get the next uh, title shot. And if you're Bilal Mohammed, I could not have seen you in that position a year ago where you're in that conversation. So he's done all the right things there. It shows what happens and you can turn it around in, UFC, in the UFC and mixed martial arts. And I want to watch his next fight. Whereas I'd say that's never been the case. I'd yep. say I don't care when Well, it's basically fighting. we were tuning in to see who he's who he's fighting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas now you think, right, I'll be interested to see if you can do this against And someone. I think it shows more separation. So now yeah. if I was to split that division, I would say you've got Bilal and up and then you've yes, got probably yes. Jeff Neal and down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I say that as Jeff Neal beat Bilal, but he doesn't have the resume because Jeff Neal lost to Wonderboy and Bilal's beating Wonderboy, so MMA maths will get us in a whole heap, but that's how it feels. It feels they're the contenders. You wouldn't buy Jeff Neal against some of those other guys, no, whereas the Bilal now you go, okay, and he can guys go below it. Um, and then we got to the main card. Um, Fioro against Chukagian was what it was. Dariush, I think a lot of us had Gamrot in our accumulators, but it's nice to see the guy that's supposed to lose win. Yeah, especially in his shoes, as we said. He's supposed to have the Makachev fight. Didn't happen, and then they went, oh, well, well Makachev can have the title shot, then you can yeah. pick up the scraps. And nice for him to get a win. Yeah, he... Good performance. He's got a whole crusade behind him when you hear his uh, interview afterwards. Mm-hmm. Probably not the best thing to say, I'll fight 10 more times before my title fight if that's yeah. what it takes. Yeah, don't commit to that. But we saw more personality from him there. And again, want to see his next fight again. Yeah. This is a guy who's shown that he can dog it out. This guy who's shown that he'll be that guy and wrestle with you. He'll strike with you. He'll, he'll do a bit of everything. And he may still be the biggest threat to Makachev in terms of his style. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we'll wait style and see probably is. when we get there. Um, O'Malley, Piotr Yan. The Yaka killer. I didn't see it being this fight. I thought it was going to be more tentative. I thought if if O'Malley was going to win, it was going to be that he was able to stay at range and Yan just couldn't work it out. Yeah. Um, I thought it'd be a quiet first round, and then he holds on late. Maybe. I I think both of us had Yan winning, Mm. but I also would have come out of it with just the same level of appreciation for O'Malley that I did whether no matter how the decision had gone yeah. 
first round more lively than we thought, even with the scrambles. They were both tagging each other. They were both showing that they could take each other's shots. And I think we scored that to Jan based on the takedown and the control in the grappling, even though O'Malley was busier. And I think we came out saying, I think that's his round, but we were all pretty, there were five of us in the room and we were all pretty, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put my life down that that's his round. No, no. Second round comes out and the unthinkable happens. Um, a guy who has not been hurt once in the UFC has his chin checked by the stringy guy that is just flash. Yeah. And yeah, he can, it, he can clearly bang. He has pure Yan panic wrestling. Mm. But for those that have played the UFC game, for those that if you just want to go football commentary, I think I said at the time, you're most vulnerable after you've just scored. And this was one of them where you cannot believe that the person would be offensive when they're holding on. No. And he uncorks this overhand right, I think it was, mm. that lands flash on the jaw. And it's no. one of them where, how the hell are you staying up from this? No, how how O'Malley got through that? If you told me when we did our pod last week, O'Malley will take these shots and the one he ends up taking, one of the ones he ends up taking in the last round, I said, well, he doesn't win them. I thought he's not standing up to that ultimately. Even if he's not just wiped out, he'll be hurt and Jan will take him to the fence yeah. or the floor and, and the ref will have to jump in or whatever. In green. And like I said, if, if we didn't have any controversy with the decision or whatever, you'd say, O'Malley earned your respect just off that. Even if he ended up losing, you'd go, well, he showed he can hang, which a lot of people questioned. Having reflected on it now, do you call it a robbery? I don't think a robbery, but I... I still feel Yang won. But I think I think I can see the argument to make for O'Malley because I think outside of the second round they were close, the close first and, first and third. Um, I still felt Yang won it. I don't like the leaning on punch stats. Like I, I thought the stats looked a bit misleading. I could be wrong. They did. I I don't remember O'Malley landing forty strikes in the third round. No, 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 and it felt like more of a Jan's fight at that point as well. I felt like he he was sort of starting to control it. And I know it's not the point. If you were to go, well, we have two more rounds, who would you have said coming on? Yeah. I think Jan was coming on and, and strong. Well, I, I said to someone on Twitter afterwards, the issue is, and I know it's not scored like that, it felt like a Jan fight yeah, afterwards. Agreed. And that's ultimately when... I didn't really question it. When they were going to the decision, I thought, well, this would be Jan. Yeah. And then your uh, brother said about it could be a Mali. And I thought... Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not making me question it. Uh, yeah. and I want to see the split, obviously. I think if we were cynical, we would say if it was going to be a split, that's the way you would yeah. think it would go yeah. when you heard beforehand about the title shot and this and that. And It works well for the UFC, doesn't it? It works very well for the UFC. And yeah. Good for business. The interview after from O'Malley I thought was great. Yep, agreed. Um, and I think that buys you a lot of favour in terms of the people... Because we see it before, and not everyone's as egregious as Frotch Groves in where the decision um, afterwards with the stoppage or whatever, you're looking at one guy like, you can't possibly see it that way because ultimately they don't score it. But we've looked at it before, and a guy can hear that they've been robbed. So the Josh Taylor 
Jack Catterall won. Mm-hmm. We hear your interview after, and you're not acknowledging that it was close. This yeah. one, just to simply say, well, I genuinely, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. And it's not their job to score it in there. So just his interview alone. And in that sort of fight, I can imagine you probably, I don't know, you're probably just thinking about surviving. Yeah. So I can see that you would, yeah. Well, he looked downbeat after, didn't he? And that told yeah. you a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, he looked visibly surprised. And that's the annoying one, when you are downbeat like that and then you jump around and celebrate. I knew all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the co-main, Ugh. Sterling Dillashaw, Ugh. what to say about this? Yeah. Dirty. I don't think anyone came out of this looking positive. Not no. the UFC, not Sterling, not Dillashaw. Sterling, sh- Sterling shoulder. Dillashaw shoulder. Yeah. Do you need to go, by the way? Oh, we've got five. Yeah. Sterling's shoulder, uh, Dillashaw's shoulder goes out in the first minute. And it turns out everybody knew. Yeah. Everyone except the viewer knew about this. And I said immediately, he's wincing on the floor there. Hmm. And it reminded me of Pettis Poirier, where that happens, and it's all immediately the ref goes, "Okay, you're hurt. It's over." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're making you can you can verbally tap without saying I tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was when it got to between the rounds. It was okay because we've seen it before. This can happen. It goes back in, and then you're good as new, basically. This is going to come back out again. This wasn't the case. and the fact that Goddard spoke afterwards, uh, spoke in between the rounds, said, um, they told me this could happen or <laughs> something like that. I need to see your shoulder. It's, I don't think we'll hear the end of that from a betting perspective. No, true. Now, the odds were close, which tells me they did keep that quiet. But when you're hearing things and they were horribly open about this, Dillashaw said to DC, I want to speak to you about something. What a weird... Yeah, what a weird thing and to be dropping. They were saying suddenly, you know, he was really dejected in the fighter meetings. That's, yeah, that killed me. And saying that like, mid-fight, it's just... And then Dillashaw, oh, I apologise for holding up the division. Well, you're not that sorry, or you wouldn't have come in there to collect a cheque. No, no, exactly. And I've got to think, it's like, if most people in the division are in that position, and it's Piotr Jan, they go into fight, it's like, fuck that. Yeah. If you're in that position, and you go in to fight Aljamain Sterling, you might think, he chokes me out. So what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that felt like from the get-go... It looks the most blatant cash grab, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And people were saying, like, well, he hasn't had a fight in however long, so he hasn't been able to earn any money. Like, he hasn't had a fight in that long because of his own problems. Yeah. So it's not... And it... Honestly, there was... Unless Sterling had him out of there in the first two minutes, as soon as we knew there was an injury... You can never look good by that stage. No. And then when you start talking tough afterwards, you're doing Fortnite dances. It Very few people can deliver the McGregor-like speech and it doesn't come off as cringy. Um, Cejudo never managed it. No. To the point where he had to lean into the cringe. Sugar Sean can in between do it. Like his kind of thing is, I know this is cringy, but I'm saying it in a cool way. Yeah, he's got a t- totally different vibe, really. It's kind of his own thing. Aljo looks like I've been standing in front of the mirror for hours trying to practice this and it yeah. still doesn't work. Colby, his, his whole is a, thing is, is like... a character, isn't it? Yeah. You know it's a and, shtick. Yeah, and even when it doesn't go well, that is kind of his bit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he never leaves is the car. They're all for names. Like when you're on the spot trying to watch what, what did I say? The bag of Cheetos and yeah. Oh, I can I can sleep Sandhagen again. It's like, what's what's Corey Sandhagen done to you? He's the most respectful bloke in the division. Yeah, yeah. Bad look. He was um, reaching a bit. I don't think anyone's going into that hoping that Aljo beats O'Malley. Um, I think for someone, I saw him described as the most disputed, undisputed champion. <laughs> yeah, because he's had some luck, hasn't he? It was a, it was a decision that could have gone either way against Jan. Obviously, there was the way that he won the belt, and now, yeah, we you, you need to go out there and turn O'Malley into a pretzel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just finally, the main event, Makachev against Oliveira. I don't want to say it went exactly as I thought it Pretty might. much, wasn't it? And I didn't feel good about. I, I don't think it, it was. was a, a, it wasn't a bold. It wasn't a bold call by no. me. It was so. It was like you let your head rule your heart. It was a wise decision. It, it just. It just looks like um, the the whole style of Oliveira of I march forward and provide this unmitigated chaos that no one can deal with was just the perfect antidote to if you're going to charge into me like that, then I'll take you down. Yeah, and. Yeah. The second Oliveira started thinking about it more, the second Makachev started landing more. Makachev better on the feet than I'd give him he credit was. for. I don't think he was quite as good as is being sold now. It was quite messy, a lot of it. I saw someone say he actually looks like more fluid than Khabib. If you look at how Khabib was by the end by in the Gaethje fight, he was yeah. great. So I think I'd go easy on that one. Yeah, I thought he just... He wasn't Ben Askren. Like yeah, I think we said on the weekend. I think we did lower expectations for him coming through because one, he's a bit boring, and two, it was like, well, being a lesser Khabib can be. Yeah, you're not Khabib, so you know, you that's not good. But he's better than we probably thought. Yeah, he looked very good. He's in that point now where I saw him say we need Pereira to win because we've just got the most boring set of UFC champions otherwise that we've had in. What in terms time. of like just can't be beaten? So no, even like, in just terms of the style of yeah, fighting. Yeah. Like, imagine if you put Adesanya and Aljamain on a pay per view. Yeah, like, it's gonna be tough, isn't it? Like even like we need we need more Ngannou's and we need <laughs> <laughs> and a mixture is fine. It's just in 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 the most two of the most fun divisions. And I will say I have far more admiration for what Makachev does than what Sterling does because what Makachev does looks like he's going into the line of fire and he is still imposing his will on you. And it looks like he's putting you through hell. And if you get it, if you get it done in two rounds like that, yeah, that's it actually, isn't it? Yeah, because could be about that little run where he was like carrying people for yeah. like a whole fight. You're like, we don't need to see this, but when he started going right, I'm going to get him out of there. Yeah, we liked it, and that's the same with him, same with Makachev. So we'll we'll see what happens now moving forward. The Volk fight looks like it's going to be being made. Um, I got the impression my brother thought he was on the fence on it. He wasn't <laughs> sure who wins that one, was he? Um, the thing was, ultimately, I agree with his conclusion. Yeah. Makachev probably wins, yeah. but he was, as like you yeah. said, was just like Volk was terrible. No, I think this. It feels weird to say that I would still have Volk ahead of him in the pound for pound, but no, yeah, I think Makachev and his size, which kind of goes against the pound for pound thing. But um, yeah, I mean, two two guys who want to impose their will on the other, I think the bigger guy has a better chance of doing so. And they're different 
types of wrestling as well. Um, but it's 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 not a fight where it's like I don't need to see it. And I admire the going to Australia to do it. I mean, I don't think we were going to go to Dagestan to do the fight. To be fair, <laughs> but that's cool. That's a cool. Yeah, that's not yeah. you winning it. Saying I oh, want Conor McGregor. That's no. you winning. Saying also other than Daru, I can't say that's you taking a soft touch. That's no, no, no. Like I didn't see Aljamain go give me Henry Cejudo. Yeah, it's weird. I thought you might have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. And it probably offsets the fact that you've called in the guy from the weight division lower said Vardy's on yeah. to his backyard it offsets yeah. that a little bit so there we go I think maybe he may have been told that was the direction to well, go by the fact he, he didn't Khabib said he came in Dana did say he was next anyway actually so yeah. he was just going along with it but there we go I mean plenty that we've got into today um, we'll have plenty more next week I think maybe the same setup Alex is away at his uh, championships in I think maybe Vegas he's in so, all right for him. That's uh, a wasted group in that one. <laughs> another drink. So, thank you for listening. We'll be back. Movie Madness this Thursday. Saw 2 against The Purge 2. Be there. Halloween special. Goodbye.